0: Hey, welcome to the Gig Life Podcast. I'm your host, Stevie Taylor. My guest today is Sydney-based drummer, Jack Robert. Jack is a phenomenal drummer. In 2010, he won the Drum Tech Best Up-and-Coming Drummers Award. Um, and then from then, he's gone on to play, or he still plays with Ricky Lee. Um, he's currently playing with TK uh, Thunder Fundamentals, Stephen Taranto. He's recorded sample packs, He's a real heavy on the festival scene and just a hell of a nice guy so it was it was great to sit down and have a chat with him. Um we've been trying to do it for a while and uh managed to um to lock it down. So just a sound warning on this one. We recorded this at the Rocks Brewery in Alexandria. I might add that that's right in the middle of a flight path. So <laughs> every uh couple of minutes or so you hear a plane a flame, you hear a plane sort of fly past and Um, There were dogs inside the pub, Um, we had a bit of an audience, and with a few people actually coming up to us while we were recording towards the end, but um, you know, try not to focus on that stuff, just listen to what we're here for, and that's to hear Jack's story, so um, check it out, eh? This is episode 141, Jack Robert, here we go. No, oh, I think we're rolling. What's, what's good, Jack Robert? What's going on, man? Hiya. Thanks yeah, for having good. me. Yeah, bro. What's going on? Uh,
1: man, today has just been kind of a chill day, a um, bit of a prep day. I've been organising uh, a bunch of songs that I have coming up that I'm going to be recording, um, hopefully. Your, your, own, um, your own stuff? Not my own stuff. No, no. A bunch of different projects for some friends. Like I'm doing one for like a movie soundtrack um, and then another stuff, like a couple others for um, a guy's solo record. Um, so, yeah, kind of putting those together at the moment, just like getting them, just like literally take, like, downloading and putting them in folders and organizing them before I start really going through and learning the stuff. Yep. Um, but that, yeah, I'll get to that stuff in the next uh, couple of months, hopefully. Um, and then, yeah, apart from that, like just chilling. It's a bit of a day off. So, it's been, yeah. been pretty crazy the last few months. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I worked like right up until I didn't work New Year's Eve, which was actually nice. Um, do, do
0: you usually work New Year's Eve?
1: Yeah, I think that's, like, the last few years, anyway, that's how it's kind of worked out. Last year was particularly hectic. I did, like, I was doing a festival run, and then I remember getting back into town on, like, New Year's Eve. Like, I think I flew back from Perth or something like that from, like, I did Wildlands last year. And then got back to Sydney on New Year's Eve in the morning from Perth, and then I had, like, two, like, local gigs in town that day, um, starting from the afternoon. But it was one of those, like, take my, my, my stuff to, like, the first gig, go do oh sorry to the second gig, go do the first gig, then yeah. go to the second gig, yeah, yeah, and then gotcha. I can get home yeah. till, like after midnight. Yeah. Obviously, and then um and then yeah, the next day, like on the first I had field day in the domain. So yep, yep, yep. it was like kind of wearing different hats, jumping back and forth between things. But that was so a bit different this year, but um I mean I kinda of welcome those crazy uh logistical challenges. It's fun. Um, and I like doing that sort of stuff. Man,
0: that, I, I don't have the <laughs> yeah. that that's not me, eh? That's Yeah, it's why yeah. Am
1: I? <laughs> I mean you as long as you're there you kinda of just you kind of get taken with the current, yeah. I guess. But yeah. Um, but, yeah, you do kind of miss out on a bit of sleep and those sort of things. But it's fine. When you're in the middle of it, it's, um, I like it. It's, I love it. So, Who, who um, did you do
0: the field day gig with?
1: Field day last year was with TK Minzer. Yeah. So yeah. I did. Um, so we kind of started a, a festival run. I started working with her, like, July-ish, June, July last year. Yep. Um, I got a call from an MD mate of mine, Joel Farland, and... Um, he kind of sent through like uh kind of happened over time I think I got a call like a few months before and then there's a nice plane going yeah out. yeah yeah.
0: I'll, I'll explain where we are in a minute <laughs> sure.
1: um classic mascot fly path but um yeah so Joel called me in like kind of early in the year I think from memory and then nothing kind of happened for a while and then um it was kind of like you know you're free for these dates blah 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 and then um I was like yeah man absolutely like keen to keen to jump in and um and he ended up sending me like a as like a live recording from her u.s band um which was like pretty like very live very kind of gospel-esque um so yeah that was like the first thing i got and like i mean jumped into rehearsals and
0: you um, sorry gospel-esque as, as from a drawing point of view
1: from a kind of like yeah drumming and kind of like arrangement point of view yeah, okay. yeah more planes <laughs> um, <laughs> um so yeah, I think because she hadn't, because she's obviously from she's from Adelaide originally, um, and then had been living in the states. And I think it had been a minute since she'd done any Australian show. So she kind of like re, since being in America, she'd kind of changed how her show sounded and the approach to it. And I think when they came back, like they wanted to kind of keep that sort of approach. And um, so yeah, so we basically got sent this recording of of her American band, and um, and it was kind of right up my alley. Like I've you know I spent a lot of time checking out that sort of uh that sort of music and that sort of approach to kind of modern pop hip-hop r&b sort of shows Mm. um so i was pretty stoked to, to get that call and then um and yeah we jumped into rehearsals kind of just off of that desk recording and um and kind of finessed and massaged everything from there um and then that yeah so the first thing we did was um vivid we did the opera house yep um which was amazing i'd never played the opera house before um, so that was a really cool experience.
0: So that was that was your first, so was the first show with There's TK. a video of that isn't there. There is. Yeah, is they actually the, looks like floral.
1: Yeah, yeah, she had like all these flowers is that, on is stage. It Gero- and, Plo- yeah, Gerald's playing is it bass. Gero- yep. Yeah, yeah. Yep. Um, yeah, I, I watched. I watched that. Oh, you saw the gig? Yeah, that's yeah, amazing. Yeah. Um, yeah, they did it. They, I'm pretty sure it was broadcast live, like online. I think um, maybe on the Opera House's YouTube channel and then their website or something like that. So. Um, so, yeah, so I guess kind of a bit of a hectic first first run with her. But we'd had, like, a week of rehearsals leading up to it. Um, and it was funny, actually. I hadn't seen Gerol for – I'd I'd bumped into him, like, here and there over the years. But, like, when I moved to Sydney in, like, 2014, he was – we started doing, like, the some stuff with tim and matic together. Um, so we did – and, like, our first gig together was in Hawaii with Tim. So we had, like, this really cool kind of experience. And I loved playing with him, loved hanging with him, like – he's such a monster bass player yep. um, one of my favourites for sure and then yeah it kind of didn't really when the Tim thing kind of chilled out a little bit we didn't really we didn't work together again um, until until 2022 um, and then yeah so we went from like Hawaii to then like the opera house so it's like we have this thing now where the only gigs we do together are like really cool situations <laughs> <laughs> situation, so uh, so we've got to try and keep that going but um, but uh, yeah man so I was really stoked to hear that he was going to be on on that and it's been awesome kind of hanging with him and learning from him and, yeah. um, cause it's like a kind of simple setup. It's just the three of us on stage, me, Jarrell and T and, um, and Jarrell and, it's kind of an interesting stage setup. like Jarrell and I, <laughs> right yeah. on the flats, um, <laughs> and I like face each other on stage. Yeah. Um, so, and then like we're kind of facing inwards and then T is facing outwards. so, um, so it's kind of a slightly different dynamic to usual as well. And, like, often you're doing, like, the triangle, kind of everyone's facing forward. Yeah. Um, but this is, like, a different thing. So there's a lot of, like, look exchanging and kind of, you know, in little things that we'll do on the gig, which makes it, you know, makes it really fun.
0: So um, how so how did that how did that, um, set-up come about?
1: As in the visual side of yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. I'm actually not too sure. I think I asked T once and she's just, like, I think oh, it was... I so said that was her idea. I think it's coming from her, yeah. I think it was just a point of difference from other shows. So we're kind of the two, like we're both up on rises um yep. so it's kind of like a slightly unique um uh visual i guess for for a three-piece stage so um but the but getting back to the opera thing that yeah you're right that was she had like a whole heap of flowers on stage yep. um which was a reference to some of the music um and then we kind of which which sounds like oh there's a flat there was flowers but it was like <laughs> there was a lot of set up time for the flowers and i think they had a lot of people involved kind of curating and making it look how it did and it turned out really really well Um and then we did so we did block rouse and we did the same thing like a week later in Melbourne for a festival called um uh vivid was Sydney and then fuck, I can't think. But it was like a it's kind of like a one day thing again, but it was at the forum. Um uh but I think in Melbourne it was like a two week kind of arts sort of cultural thing around the city. Um, and this, yeah, we just, it was like, we were the only guys playing that day, um, at the forum and we did that. And, and that was another really cool show. And, uh, and yeah, so fast forward, we had like another four or five months off. Um, she went back and, um, I think she was doing some support shows with someone else, just like a DJ set up. And then fast forward to like the new year's, uh, kind of time. And we kicked off with Meredith in, uh, in Victoria, which was really cool. Um, kind of down where I used to live actually. Um, but I'd never been to Meredith Festival before, um, and that was awesome. And like we get there at like kind of middle of the day, and it's just a one stage setup. Whereas most of these festivals are kind of multi stage, like yeah. at least an A and B, and then often there'll be like other side stages and stuff as well. It kind of gets smaller and smaller, and depending on the setup. But um, Meredith was amazing because it's like one stage, so everyone's like locked in on that on that stage. So by the time you get there, at, like eleven twelve in the day everyone's already pumped you're and ready to go and you're like all yeah
0: backstage side of stage
1: yeah so i remember like getting there and like getting my phone like looking around the corner my like, holy fuck like there's so many people here already um and then uh we went on to like the, till night time and uh and at that point like like uh, the visuals for her show and the lighting for her show is like really next level to anything i'd kind of experienced before um and it, and that was i think looking back now that's probably one of the best shows I, for me personally that we that we've done together cool. um i think just the vibe was right and um it, yeah it was just one of those and it's there's so many intangibles with shows i reckon like looking back and going and this was cool this was like this one didn't feel right and it's kind of sometimes hard to pinpoint what it is but uh but for whatever reason that one felt um really really good um and then yeah so we kicked off with meredith and then we did um wildlands which is like three or four around the country and that kicked that rolled into field day and then I think we had a couple of the Wildlands shows after New Year's Day in the, like the next week or so so yeah that was it so yeah last New Year's was, was a hectic December January it was a pretty hectic time and yeah. that kind of after the TK shows that rolled like I think the next day or so I was rolling straight into rehearsals with the Thunders boys so um, we kicked off uh, um, their national tour in like mid January or something so it was all it was yeah that was it's full on it was full on yeah it was great. Like again, I like the busier for me. Generally, the better. Um, I feel, I feel like I'm where I'm meant to be when I'm in that sort of yeah, yeah, that yeah. sort of flow, yep. um, and everything's kind of kind of jumping from one thing to another. But but still, like everything's I see, So a,
0: you're you're happy to be in that situation?
1: Yeah, I, yeah, I kind of like that. I mean, sometimes it's a bit chaotic. Like there there was a, situa- <laughs> there was a situation recently where, um, uh, what was it? It was TK again. We were doing a show in. Uh, we had a show in victoria i think um yeah this was actually because we just did the spilt milk like we were just talking about before with buddy we just did the spilt milk um festival run and uh and that's, that's that's like uh ballarat gold coast canberra and perth um and the ballarat one obviously like when you know you fly into melbourne and you got to drive like usually it's like you know 40 minutes to an hour to get from the airport to the city um, but this way, this for this one we're going. So Melbourne's always like a little bit tricky logistically, and always takes a bit longer. Um, but for this, Ballarat was like kind of regional Victoria. Um, so we were going to get there, get down to Ballarat, do the show, and then I got a call to do um, to sub in for Jess Malboy. Um, kind of not long before that, because um, my mate Billy has just started um, MDing her, and they've um, kind of switched things around recently. Yeah. So, yep. Um, and Billy and I have done a bunch of other stuff together. So he got me yeah he gave me a call to kind of sub in for that Um, and I was like and it was the same day as as the Ballarat show with T but it was back in the city so I was like let me check he's like man are you free I'm like fuck bro like I'd love to be Um,
0: is it doable is it doable can I get my own helicopter (laughs) (laughs) it
1: was a bit hectic so I like I did the figures and like did the math on the times and everything and I was like it's actually we were playing early enough at the festival where it was going to work out that I could make it back if I just Hold it really quickly from like finishing pack up and then jet straight away back I'm into the city. I'm anxious. Yeah, to totally, about totally, that. yeah. Like, well, <sighs> Whereas I'm getting excited. I'm like, bring it. Let's do it.
0: Let's make it happen. <laughs> that's, that's cool. Um,
1: but uh, evidently the gig ended up getting cancelled for whatever reason. Um, unfortunately, because um, I ended up learning the set and everything, which was like a cool experience and exercise in and of itself because Billy's, um, uh, Billy's arrangements and everything on that show now like pretty hectic. Um, like The stuff we have done before, like, he, he called me to kind of sub in for um for wafia um i think that was you know that's in the last couple of years so we've done a few shows together with her um and that shows also like billy also loves the um the really gospel kind of americanized i guess uh, approach to the pop the pop um pop r&b sort of shows so um so he and i really click in that in that sense um very funny character as well <laughs> but incredible musician um and, uh, yeah, so he called me for that and, and that, you know, kind of went pretty well. I mean, with the Welfia thing, there was like no rehearsal or anything. So it was very much like, here's the, I think he sent me like some rehearsal recordings and maybe some live recordings as well, kind of like learn it. And then you're on a flight to wherever and then I'll see you at the gig sort of thing. Um, whereas with Jess, actually with the Jess thing, I think it was going to be the same. I don't think we were going to get to rehearse or anything. So... But you kind of get used to those sort of uh, stipulations. It's like if you say yes, that's what's kind of involved sometimes, So yep. especially when you're subbing, which I've been fortunate enough to do a bunch of the last few years. Um, but it is it does get a little bit hectic in terms of like kind of you're never 100% comfortable on the gig because like obviously when you're subbing there's the music, but there's also like who's mixing you, how your ear's going to sound, how's, you know, what's the, what are the logistics, like who's the, who's on, who else is on the gig, like in terms of is the vibe going to be like cool yeah, yeah. is everyone going to be like stressed that you're kind of jump? like there's so many things involved yep. um outside of like here's the actual music um but you kind of for me I've kind of learned how to navigate that as best as I, I mean, I'm not perfect by any stretch but as best as I can and and kind of get the job done you know with the with the with what I'm given um so yeah but yeah so unfortunately the the crazy situation with the with T and Jess in the one day didn't quite happen but I'm happy that it almost did. Yeah. <laughs> Would've been fun. Would have been a fun story. But yeah. um, but he I'm, he actually called me for adjusting in the next couple of months, so um so I'll just have to yeah, have to spend some time going back over the show. But I don't at this stage that's the only gig for that day. So <laughs> <laughs> So it should be should be a little bit more relaxed. But maybe that's
0: one to prioritise too, perhaps. Yeah, yeah man, yeah. when I
1: he's like yeah, when I listen to the music I'm like I was listening to the set and I'm like, Oh god, it's like There's definitely not something like so many. There are so many shows you can kind of almost anticipate where uh, there are like some very kind of not cliche, but like go to arrangement sort of things that people will use. And I think if you're especially, if if you're used to working with the same sort of uh, MDs all the time, um, you kind of get used to how everyone works. So um, you can kind of almost uh, like, yeah, you can, you can, um, I'm I'm trying to say, you can can anticipate what's going to happen. So, so even if things aren't completely locked in, especially with limited rehearsal or no rehearsal, you can kind of, you know, you still get your way through it. And with slates and cues and everything these days, that obviously helps to some extent. But, um, but yeah, listening to the Jess, the Jess set that Billy sent through, it was like, I mean, I can kind of, I know what it's going to, where it's going to go, like, stylistically, But and I'm familiar with a bunch of the music. Um, but, uh, but yeah, the, what he's kind of done with the show is, is pretty incredible and, and definitely, for me, like, on par with anything that's like on the world stage, you know, like he's, yeah, he's really done a lot of work on it. Um, having said that, like the show before was also incredible, um, with Daryl and and Paul and all the boys, you know, buddy and Mm. Kevin and, you know, everyone who's been on it. Um, but, uh, but yeah, that's obviously, you know, it's a um, a progression. man. Yeah, totally. And it's like, it's just a different flavor, like none, not better or worse, but, um, she's obviously great at hiring really really talented <laughs> talented people to, to help her with their shows and yep. um and yeah it was it was really nice to get the call so hopefully hopefully the gig kind of comes through um i kind of like i've known jess for a little while like just through friends and and that sort of thing um but and so i spent a little bit of time hanging out together but but we've never worked together um so in the, in that context anyway so yeah so fingers crossed it kind of happens and yeah. and we see how it goes but yeah it'll be a fun it'll be a fun show the music's yeah the music's really cool and and very uh i I like doing some of that pop sort of stuff so um yeah we'll see good stuff yeah man
0: all right let's let's roll it right back to the beginning sure so you're you're from you're from victoria from
1: victoria man yes i grew up in uh in a little coastal town um i say little but it's it was smaller when i was there (laughs) um it's grown a little bit now but um place called ocean Grove, which is like 20 minutes south of geelong and and like an hour and a half south of ish of melbourne so um, so yeah, I grew up down there. I was there from basically from like the age of two, I think two or three until, uh, maybe when did I move? I think I moved to Sydney when I was 21 or 22. Um, so yeah, I moved here in 2014 now. So 10 years this month, actually. Yeah. In a few weeks, it'll be mm. 10 years Wow. well. Mm. Um, so yeah, I grew up down there. Uh, and yeah, there wasn't, obviously there wasn't much happening musically, um, unless I kind of well, went, I'm sure, went to Melbourne I'm so. sure
0: there would have been in in your world at the in time my, in my world there was yeah so, so, fortunately yeah so what, what's the reason you're playing drums and yeah so was my drum, was drums your first instrument and
1: yeah, yeah it was yep. yeah so I my dad so when I was born my dad was playing professionally okay. as a drummer um, doing you know and they were living in Melbourne what, what's your uh, dad's name? Uh, his name's Bruno so he was uh, yeah and and when I say playing professionally, like, he was, and I know this, is, everyone says, uh, you know, but he was a phenomenal player, like, a really, really amazing drummer, um, amazing ears, amazing hands, like, I've, yeah, every, basically everything that I've developed or I've learned or I completely owe to my upbringing with him. That's Like, cool. 100%. 100%. That's like, and anything that, like, without that foundation, anything else that I've kind of, anywhere else I've taken it would never have happened, so... Um, so so you, you,
0: you, yourself, and there's one other person that I can think of that's been on this podcast that mm. has a similar sort of story, and that's Dan Kirby. Right. Because Dan yeah. Kirby's dad was a drummer. Right, okay. Yeah. I actually think I might have listened to some.
1: I, like, yeah. I've spoken to Dan a little bit online, but we've never met yeah. in person. But yeah, yeah, he's, yeah, yeah. A, he's an amazing player as well, man. But
0: that's a, it's a similar sort of story. You know, right. owes it all to his dad, and, and even yeah. even his you know his uh the, the educating that he's doing now. And yeah, sort of took over from his dad. So For sure, but that's, yeah, that's well, cool. That's, similar
1: situation, man. Like yeah. my dad was doing gigs as well, and teaching as well, and and in some capacity, my mom and dad have always been uh, have always been educators and teachers. So um, my mom's a like career high school teacher okay. um, in like drama, dance, uh, English, and dad spent a lot of years teaching teaching drums, and then moved on to teaching like uh, kind of switch careers, and and but still. Uh, heavily involved in, in training and educating and teaching in, in various, uh, in various degrees and, and at usually at really, really high levels. So, um, so I was
0: what outside of music, outside of yeah, music. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
1: So, um, so if you've in, got it, you got it, eh? Hey? Yeah. And, yeah. and again, like not And I spent a lot of time with my dad kind of teaching me in, in various ways. So, um, yeah, so that, and that, and the passion for education definitely, uh, Seep through to me as well, so I've spent a bunch of time teaching over the years too, and and really enjoy that when when the circumstances are kind of yeah yeah befitting, okay. but um but yeah so so yes, yeah, so at the time he was he was doing that for like probably like a ten ish year period um, in which I was I was born um, and then yeah so I was you know so we never did like the formal lesson thing we never did you know it was never him like okay now we're gonna start practicing he never you know and it was never like. I'm going to, you're going to be playing drums. It was never that. It was just like, I was kind of just drawn to it. It was just something that was around, like there was gear around the house and in one way or another, like sticks lying around, pads lying around. It was just that sort of thing. So it kind of, it was just a natural inclination and I didn't really know any different. Um, And then the other thing, like indirectly, you know, was that he had, you know, he had all these great records at home and, and music videos and like all these different resources, Like you know, basically a library of material for me, um, if I wanted to, to dive into. and All,
0: all different styles?
1: All different styles, man, yeah. So, um, again, the more the older I get, the more I look back and I go, I was extremely lucky to have that mm. diversity at that age. Mm. Because even though I didn't really take playing, when I say seriously, as in I didn't, I, it wasn't until I hit the age of maybe 10 or 11 that I decided that this is what I wanted to do with my life. Um, and then, from that point, everything became like everything else that I was doing kind of started to fade away a little bit and take second priority. but until then, it was like it was around and it was something that I would do and um when i you know when i when I felt the urge, but it wasn 't something that I was kind of doing regularly, I guess, um, but from a very early age man, like I remember Dad saying that you know when I was born, he would play like Miles Davis when I was kind of in the crib, like it was that sort of vibe wow. and then yeah, and then like the first like he probably the, the, the artist that I kind of really gravitated towards um, was Phil Collins. Um, really? Yeah. yeah. Wow, so there's man. there's a bunch of like, which I hope never see the light of day in me, public. Me but, too. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. Oh, there you go. Yeah. Hectic. Yep. Yeah. So we have a bunch of like, probably very dated, like grainy old home videos of me like in front of the TV playing along to like, we had a couple of Phil's um, like live, live shows. There was one at like, Perkins Palace and like, In the '80s, and then one at uh, um, Live in Berlin in the early '90s. So that was Phil, both with Chester Thompson, um, and for whatever reason, man, I don't know what it was, but I was super enamored by by watching those and listening to that music. And um, and yeah, like I said, there's videos of me like impersonating like Phil being a front man and like all this sort of weird stuff. And that that part of it kind of died off for me. I don't know where that went, but but the drum the drum the drum and it's definitely not there now. But the drumming side of it definitely. definitely remained and kind of simmered until i hit yeah like i said about 10 and and, uh and things really kind of escalated from there but um but yeah so phil was a was a a massive influence um and still is man still love listening to those records and still go back and watch a bunch of those shows and and actually he was the welcome back to the airport yeah yeah (laughs) (laughs) um terminal three fucking hell Um, and uh the first gig actually that i think well the first major gig that my parents took me to was was phil um, I went to the tennis center in Melbourne, which is which is now Rod Laver Arena. But um, and I, would, I think it was three or four at the time, and uh, and that was the both sides tour, and that was Phil Ricky Lawson was playing drums on yeah. that yeah. Um, Nathan, East. Nathan East. So he yeah. changed the band up slightly to usual. Yeah. Um, but Daryl uh, Sturm was Daryl Sturm was still yeah. on it. Yeah. Um, I think Brad Cole was Brad still playing, Cole, keys. playing keys. Yep, Amy Keys might have been doing BVs and. Um, yeah, so that was the, and I re- still remember. I have images of being at that gig. I remember thinking that Phil took forever to come out. Uh, that's the main. <laughs> that's the main <laughs> recollection that I have, yep. which was probably just my terrible sense of time. I was probably thinking that we were going to go and he was just going to be waiting there for us. But, um, but things took a little bit longer. And, uh, but yeah, so that was the. So my parents always have been super encouraging and and supportive in that sense. But but it's never been a case of like you will practice or you will you, yep. know, you will do this or that. It was yep. kind of it was just something that I really enjoyed. Um, but yeah, as I said, in terms of diversity, like obviously Phil's stuff, Genesis was another big one, obviously. Um, and then, but outside of that, man, it was like everything from weather report to miles to, uh, to Stevie wonder to earth, wind and fire to man, it was so much different stuff to, um, to more progressive stuff, like uh, a bunch of British stuff, like yes. And, um, like Alan Parsons, but like all different sorts of stuff. Um,
0: and, and were you were you drawn to the drums on those?
1: Yeah, I think so. Always. Yeah. yeah, and the other thing that we, I'm definitely forgetting a heap of music. Police, like Toto, all those sorts of bands. Like um, from a from a yeah, mostly like seventies, eighties. I guess stuff. Sting was another massive one. Um, but again, I, some of those things didn't really hit until I was a bit older and yep. a bit more yep. mature. But for whatever reason, Phil mm. was like the guy when I was when I was really really young. Yep. Um, and the other thing that Dad had which was also just a, you know, a massive, uh, you know, just luck of the draw and, you know, blessing that I had access to it, was he had a bunch of, like, instructional videos as well. I'm talking, like, VHS, yeah, yeah.
0: DCI, music I've video sort of one. Vibes.
1: Yeah, man. Yeah, man. The pre- yeah. Precursor to the Hudson, like, yeah. all that sort of stuff, you know. So I had, so the main ones that I remember him having were, we had uh, Omar Hakim's video, um, or one of them. We had... Uh, a couple of Peter Erskine's ones. Um, and these were like when these guys were kind of in their in their primes, I yep. guess, kind of, you know, really, really, re- you know, doing everything. Um, we had the Buddy Rich Memorial with, with Vinnie. Gad. And, um, yep. Steve Gad and Dave yep. Weckl. So yep. I had that one. Um, there were a few others. We had Alex Acuna's one. Um, Did you have and, the uh, two
0: Weckl videos?
1: We had, I had Back to Basics. Back to Basics. I had yeah. the first one, yeah. And I yep. think that was like, some of these weren't even... Uh, official because obviously, like dad was teaching a lot, so I think I think what happened is like he used to work at um, he was teaching Adam Mackins for a while, which was like the precursor to Drummers Paradise in yep. Melbourne. Yep. Um, and uh, and I imagine they like exchanged things and and you know gave each other things at the time. So some of those videos were like kind of bootleg vibes. Mm. Um, and, and the back Weckles Back to Basic one was one of those, but man, I when the time came, I absolutely rinsed those <laughs> all of those you know and still to this day like i at one point i kind of got them all on dvd and like converted them all and put them on like i've got them all on a hard drive now and still go back now they're probably all on youtube but um but again so for for whatever reason i was like i was so enamored with with all those guys and 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 listening and watching and, and learning that way the other one which was more of like an unknown one worldwide but um was virgil's power drumming video that was the, and we actually had uh obsessive rhythms as well. Um, but for me, power drumming was like, that was something that, I, for whatever reason, I don't know why, still can't really explain it, but that was something that even if my mum and dad, were, if I was just doing anything like free time sort of vibe, that's something that I would want to put on and want to watch. Um, and that continued for we, for years. Like my mum and dad ended up putting me into, um, into like classical piano lessons when I was pretty young and I, I did that when I was, I can't think of what age, but I would have been maybe six. And I'd probably for maybe maybe not quite 10 years, but I did it for a while. Mm. Um, and, and I remember, I remember sometimes trying to like get my mum to be like, Oh, I, instead of practicing pen say, can I just watch power drumming? And she's <laughs> like, no, no, that's probably not what you should be doing. But yeah. I'm like, yeah. So I just, so that was another video that, and this, and at the time, obviously like you're only hearing and seeing what, what you can kind of take in me, not really being aware of the fact that this was, um, like legendary material and, uh, and and stuff still to this day, like I said, that I I can go back to and 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 still learn from and still there just seemingly like endless depth of of information from that sort of calibre of, of of player and musician and, and person. So um so yeah so like I said, I was exposed to all of this stuff quite early, mm. um and uh and then when the time came to uh to that I really decided I wanted to do it seriously. I um I just yeah I dove in headfirst and and started yeah just going going ham and, and and practicing all the time and like i said i was up until that point i was also playing like a lot of sport and was really into that and what,
0: what were your sports
1: um man well the main outs- well, outside of music my my family was also really heavily involved in martial arts and yep and that sort of thing so i I did that from like that and playing the drums i feel like are the two things that i feel are very natural for me at this point so um, and I trained in a bunch of different styles of martial arts but I started in like traditional karate and my parents were also involved in that and and then later on we you know started doing some boxing stuff and like MMA sort of stuff and like just all different sorts of disciplines yep. and um, and so I spent a lot of time doing that so my childhood was kind of a little bit strange and unique I guess in that sense I didn't really spend <laughs> don't really remember spending a heap of time at home it was always like if I wasn't at school I was either at you know and then yeah like other sports I was playing like footy and and up playing soccer for years, and okay. played some tennis and like that sort of stuff. My pr- friends, like I think AFL was probably the thing that I loved the most and was the most passionate about. Like I was watching it and playing a lot of it. My friends would probably laugh at me for that now because once I decided to play drums, my skills quickly perished. But <laughs> <laughs> so they wouldn't be, I wouldn't be picked for the team these days, but, Yeah. Or in high school even, but, um, but at the time, like maybe like six to ten or eleven, I was I was I was pretty in love with with AFL and and that sort of thing. So. Um, but, yeah man, like I said, like did the martial arts thing and 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 like uh, heroes of mine outside of the guys I mentioned musically were um, you know I always looked up to boxers, and like Ali was always on my wall, Tyson was always on my wall, like all these sorts of guys um, and it was there was something about the the work ethic and their approach to developing their skills and and later on for me like how they approach building their lives and their careers and all that was always really inspiring to me and and still is. Um, Who else? Schwarzenegger was another big one, obviously, like, you know, outside of the movies, just like his career as a bodybuilder and then shifting into the movies. But, again, just his work. I I don't know if
0: you've – I mean, you may know about his book, but Mm. he's got the doco on Netflix. Yeah, I did watch the doco. He's he's been doing the podcast – yeah I've checked to those out a bunch yeah. of those
1: yeah I've, I've read a bunch of his books i don't think I've, I haven't got the most recent one but um, but I have read a bunch of his books before like that are either on training or or um, or just you know his life sort of autobiographical but yep um super inspiring guy to me um obviously you know every, no one's perfect and I, you know as you get older you know people that you see as heroes and and idols you kind of you know and I've been in situations now fortunately where i've Kind of been able to interact and hang out with some of the people that I used to look up to as a kid, and you do learn. Like some of those situations have been amazing. Some of them kind of leave a little bit to be desired. But you, but you learn that that's just that's life. That's that's being human. And um, and you're as a, you know as a kid, you're seeing people through a very narrow funnel at that point, um, and you're not taking into account that they're, that they're just normal humans, they're just normal people, and and they each have their own you know struggles and and all of that. So. Um, so it's been cool like and that's been kind of a a thing that i've definitely learned and and continue to learn just the just humanizing every like every career kind of step and every like person you meet and you think that everyone's like you know you have that thing of pedestal people being on pedestals, but you just yeah for me i've i've learned to kind of almost get rid of that train of thought because I definitely had it as a kid very much like I want to be like so, and so I want to be able to do x y and z um and and almost like uh I mean, everyone kind of has heroes, I guess. Especially maybe, maybe it's a, a boy thing more as a kid. Um, but, uh, but, but yeah, I've kind of learned to learn to kind of take bits and pieces from different people again, whether it's playing or whether it's you know approach to yep. handling your career or whatever it is, and kind of just apply it to your individual circumstances because everyone's lives are so different and coming from a different place and different eras, and that you know that's been a big one for me. Um, you know, having influences from lots of a breadth of or a range of Uh, kind of eras you know it's kind of interesting trying to apply something that maybe someone something really worked for someone in in the 80s is not necessarily going to work for someone in you know 2024 or 2023 or whatever so um so that there have been interesting lessons to try and kind of assimilate into now as well um but uh yeah man so i had a such a range of influences um you know like i said from music to sport to film to to whatever you know um, and kind of tried to integrate all of that into into my approach, to, definitely into my approach to practising. Um, like, I'd, you know, I used to hear stories about from Dad about, you know, Virgil's work ethic and, yep. um, and all of that. And, and definitely, man, I went through a phase where I was trying to do exactly that, you know, spending hours and hours each day and... Um, you know would try and do the eight to you know 8 10 12 hour practice days and really right. yeah man absolutely yeah but it was fun to me it was like oh, that's what i wanted to be doing and yeah. everything else to me was like getting in the way school included yeah, okay. i was like, i was like i i really felt like i knew what I, and you know tyson was another one you know hearing about the stories of him you know kind of training young with cass and and going through that whole process of like really having someone that was like helping form you into what you needed to be to to have the career that you that you wanted um to me that was like the dream that was so exciting um and kind of still is you know to an extent um that whole process of like going through a fight camp and really like digging in and 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 I kind of applied that approach to practicing now I will say that some of it doesn't apply <laughs> and I've learned that over the years but um and and I think it is a little bit of a unique approach having spent more time with musicians now I mean we're talking to time when hey, hey. we're back hey. <laughs> um, we're talking to a time when I was pretty isolated in the sense of, like, that I wasn't hanging around with a lot of other musicians, or I wasn't, like... So everything I was doing was quite... was basically on my own. So I was practising on my own, I was playing along to a lot of records on my own, I was kind of... I was watching and listening to stuff and dissecting stuff on my own, so I spent a lot of time on my own kind of trying to get everything together and get everything up to speed, and, I, and you know, to me, the benchmark was was all the guys that I mentioned earlier. So um, so I had set myself a very high bar, a very high bar, you know, um, and to me, I was more than willing to put in whatever it took to um, to kind of reach that level, um, and and you know, and still am. And I and you know, it's obvious, obviously it's a it's a process, and and that process, kind of nice in a way with with an art form doesn't really or well playing music anyway doesn't really end. It's kind of a never ending. Uh, there's not really a cap on it. So um, and there's you know, and I've also since learned that there's so much you learn from playing with other people and and having experience playing playing professionally that you can't that you can't get from just practicing in a room you know so there's do you,
0: do you think that's a big reason why you have no problem trying to do two or three gigs with different people um so are you kinda, <laughs> are you are you you chasing the ex- experiences with the other people or or
1: yeah I mean I mean I don't know if I'm these days if I'm chasing experience I I I guess that's one way to frame it I I still feel like I've barely scratched the surface yeah professionally or even like ability wise or anything like that i still feel like i'm i still have the same hunger and the same kind of uh mentality as i in some ways as i did when i was kind of starting out yeah um, can, can so, i
0: can i ask your age
1: yeah i'm 32, 32 yeah okay. yeah so i've been playing professionally now i mean it's all i've ever done yep so yeah that was the question i was, gonna, was, question I was for, gonna ask was there yeah sure, was there ever like, since a, i was 18 now, ever so.
0: a thought of any other career And from what you've been saying, I don't think... No, (laughs) no,
1: definitely not anything instead of drum, plaque playing music or or being involved in music. If anything, it's been adding to that, you know, um, in various ways. Like, I'm really interested in business. I I actually spent Mm. a very, very brief amount of time studying um, business kind of simultaneously. Um, But uh, so I'm interested in different aspects of the industry for sure and even things outside of music I'm I'm interested in. But um, and... Yeah, I mean, and since moving to Sydney, I've done a few things on the side. You know, I've done a bit of acting. I've done, you know... We've got dogs too. We've got. It's all happening. Planes, dogs. People are going to be like, where the hell are they (laughs) doing this interview? (laughs) Um, So, yeah, man, so I've done a bunch of stuff, like hand-in-hand with playing drums, but but playing the drums and and doing the music thing has been been the main thing for, yeah, basically the main thing since I've, you know, turned pro, if you will, um, at at 18. So, yeah. Um, And if I had it my way, I would have, I would have started doing that earlier, but uh, but I had to finish school and and do all of that. So um, so yeah, it started when it started. So
0: right, yeah. So how far through school did you get? Uh, I finished school. You finished, school? yeah. I
1: finished school. school um, did Year twelve, and and at this time I was still living uh, still living in in Ocean Grove. Um, but yeah, like through musically through school, I, I kind of uh, like I said, I kind of made the decision to, to to take the music thing seriously when I was around ten or eleven and started practicing really seriously at that point. Um, and then I also started playing in a bunch of like with a bunch of local mates, um, who were into, uh, kind of different music than I was checking out at the time. Like at that point I'd kind of been really deep into, um, into the music that was around the house. And like I said, there was such a range. So it never felt like I was, so I was in need of something or so, like at a loss for what to listen to or what to kind of learn. Um, there was always something to gravitate towards, but, um, but, yeah, kind of around that same age, um, a bunch of other friends started playing instruments and, and you know, and we started... It sort of been, like... Uh, actually, probably, like, yeah. Maybe, like, o two, o three sort of time. Um, and there are a bunch of, like, pivotal records for me at that time that, that kind of started sending me on a slightly different path musically um, or, or a wider path, should I say, um, thanks to the guys I was hanging out with at school and, and all that and that were also playing, so... I, that was like when the Volume 3 Sleep Not record came out. I started getting into that pretty heavily. Um, what else? It was Get Rich or Die Trying came out. Um, so that kind of started me on the on the hip-hop thing, which has served me pretty well yeah. um, in the last few years. Um, yeah, they were massive records at the time. Uh, and then Dangerously In Love, Beyonce's first record came out as well, which is another big one. Um, and then there's definitely, a, there's absolutely a bunch that I'm forgetting about because um, there may have been some parkway drive stuff as well because I started yeah I started getting into like a bunch of really heavy stuff and that's kind of the music that my mates and I were playing they come around to the house I had I, like gear set up downstairs and we'd yeah we'd play like sleep not stuff we'd play like system of dance like all the kind of the almost like cliche like here's your introduction to metal sort of stuff right. um but we'd, so we'd kind of start doing that um but it definitely like I've always been the kind of guy that's anytime I'm into something I'll like I want to keep digging and keep digging so yeah and that's actually what i was going to mention earlier like even though i was like those drummers that i was really into it was great being into them but the the rest of the, the musicians that that opened me up to was also huge because if you're playing along to weather report records you're not only playing along to omar and peter erskine and alex and all those guys you're also playing along to jaco you're playing along with you know victor bailey you're playing on you know and everything else outside of that so um you know so you're always so you're playing with top tier musicians kind of unknowingly really um, and and I've kind of tried to keep that, <laughs> trying to trying to keep, tried to keep that approach right up, you know, up you know up until this day, um, always heavy like heavy researcher, um, and it's all it's all enjoyable stuff to me. It's never like a chore. It's always like it's what I love. It's what I'm into. So if I if I find a new drummer that I'm really you know that I'm digging, I'll you know, suss out everything they've been doing, and and, and then from there that will lead me on all different paths again so um, so from one person it's like you almost create like a family tree of, of different projects and different things to check out and learn from um, so to me that's really exciting and these days obviously with YouTube and things like that it's like it's endless um, and it's still something I set, a, set aside time for to make sure I'm not only staying current but but also deepening my knowledge of the past as well because stuff that I would read, you know, read about in Modern Drummer and stuff years ago that I didn't have access to watching or listening to now i can jump on spotify and be like oh that's this record that he's talking about or that's that show that they mentioned or you know so there's there's such a a a a, a vast array of stuff to to get my teeth into which is super exciting and and something i really encourage if i'm ever doing any teaching or anything more than anything these days is i encourage that you know really get your listening together get you know dive into whatever it is that you love and, and kind of chase that um chase that train or path wherever it takes you Mm. um more so than like i mean the fundamentals to playing drums are the fundamentals and they've been the fundamentals for forever um and you can watch people in the 50s playing singles and doubles and you go well there's people really haven't done it better you know up until up until today you know in some in in, you know you know what i mean in terms of the basics of like the instrument um so in terms of you know learning those core skills but really getting you know getting your listening together and, and you know getting up on the history and and seeing where things came from and to me that's a really enjoyable part of the process um, and something like I said I still love doing today but um, but uh, yeah so like I said I was playing with a bunch of guys around school and that was and that was cool um, and then I once I got into high school I started doing the um, like school bands and that sort of thing so all of a sudden I was reading and playing charts and um, playing big band playing Latin stuff playing um, and you know and it was still kind of interesting because I always felt like I was um, not on my own, but I, I kind of felt like I was coming at it from a slightly different place to everyone else because I think I was taking it so seriously and so I had such a an aggressive approach to my learning. And, do you, do you and, think that
0: was obvious to your mate?
1: Uh, probably, yeah. <laughs> I definitely would get like, we'd be on holidays and they'd be like, oh, you can kind of come hang out. And I'm like, no, nah, I'm practicing. And they're like, what do you mean? Damn, like, man. practicing, what for? On the like, holidays. <laughs> 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 just that sort of stuff. And, you know, yeah, bless yeah. them because yeah, yeah. that's, you know, it is what it is. And I think I've since come across people who have similar stories. But, um, but it would, you know, on the other side, it probably would have been a bit weird, you know, especially because at that time I didn't really have an outlet for what I was doing. So it wasn't like I was, you know, training heaps of football and then it was like I was going and playing, like, in in something that everyone kind of could make sense of. It was like, I was doing all this stuff, putting all this, like all these hours in and everyone's like, where is this guy? What is he doing? Like, what is he, Uh, you know, so (laughs) I kind of get it, but (laughs) it's kind of funny in, in hindsight, but, um, but I definitely had to kind of like stay, stay on the path and probably could have easily stepped off and, and started like straying off. But, um, like I said I was so focused on on doing what I wanted to do and and looking ahead to the future and making sure I was going to be kind of putting myself in a position where I could build the career and life that I that I had envisioned so um and again outside of like I said I was not just kind of practicing and studying music stuff or training stuff whatever it was like I was also reading like motivational books and like all that sort of stuff just anything I could kind of take in to really uh just for extra extra energy extra kind of inspiration and um, to kind of keep keep putting in the time and keep putting in the effort that I that I needed to, that I thought I needed to be putting in. So, um, but uh, yeah, but having the experience at school and everything's definitely started to um, to because to, obviously at that point my practicing and, and ability in that sense was kind of at a higher level than my experience. So it was nice to kind of be humbled in the sense of like now you're playing with other musicians, now you're playing with music directors, now you're playing with people who are asking certain things of you, and, and now you're reading and now you're doing all these sort of stuff. So you kind of have to... It was no longer just me in a room. So I had to learn how to take everything that I was working on and learning and, and apply that to the real world, you know. And cool. I was fortunate to do that at a young age. So
0: That's, that's interesting. So mm. so let me ask, when you started playing in bands and stuff, mm. after having spent all that time in your room, yeah, <laughs> how was your approach to time and, and how was the musicians around you, how were they... Sort of uh, indicating to you, mm. I think it was. I think
1: it was mostly positive feedback, to be honest with you. Because, um, because, think...
0: sorry. So when you're when you're practicing, you practice the metronomes and obviously playing along to records. And, yeah. And I uh, guess, I guess the, rec- the you know a lot of the old records is no yep. clicks or anything. Like no that. clicks for yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah. yeah,
1: something I would learn later. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but 100, and and to answer your question, all all of the above. So I would, I'd spend a lot of time practicing basics. I always, and I'd still love doing that. I don't get to do it as much these days, but just, you know, time and, and I have, you know, I need to put time into other areas essentially. Yep. Um, and thankfully I did put enough time in at that point to where I can afford to put a little more time into other areas now and I gotcha. don't have to worry about, you know, some kind of those basic things, but not that they can't always improve because they absolutely can. And I'm the first one to be super critical of myself, but um, so yeah, but as a kid, I'd spend a lot of time practicing basics, you know technique um, coordination things, independence things um, reading uh diff playing different styles um, and again, some of this would come naturally in the sense of like i'd be trying to play along to record, and all of a sudden i couldn't play my technique. my chops went up to what the record was calling for, so um you know i couldn't play. Uh, like I, there was a double in it on a foot that I couldn't do at that tempo, so I would go back and I'd turn the record off and I'd put the metronome metronome on and I'd just drill my foot at that at that sort of tempo, oh, or wow. that sort okay. of stuff. So I'd kind of find like I would go through the music and which I think is a cool thing.
0: In if, sense you're, of, if you're disciplined
1: if you're disciplined yeah i guess because
0: you, you know if, if that's me and i go <laughs> oh i'm gonna work on that double thing yeah oh shit that double thing sounds cool <laughs> just something else put yeah, that right. record away that it would it would take sure. me somewhere yeah, else yeah
1: no I, I was definitely like oh fuck i need i i need to be able to do that it was yeah. like i was not i wanted to get to the point where there's nothing i saw or heard that i couldn't do yeah that was kind of my approach um naively to some extent but (laughs) uh, especially these days man there's some people doing some pretty incredible stuff so um but that was at the time that was my approach so and i think i was going to say before i think it's kind of cool and it's something i again try to kind of pass on to students in the sense of it gives you in terms of the technical facility and 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 chop building type exercises it kind of gives you some context to them rather than saying okay i'm going to practice singles now i'm going to practice doubles if you can do it from a point of i'm listening to this song that i really love or this drama that I really love and they're doing X, Y, and Z, but I can't do them. It kind of, it gives you a purpose and a reason to do it rather than, Oh, my teacher's told me to practice singles. I don't really know why. <laughs> yeah. And I think, and that's something I find like when I'm talking to kids or whoever, it's, um, it's the same sort of thing. It's like they lack, there's, there's a contextual element to the learning that they're kind of missing out on, um, through the, no fault of their own. It's just, I think maybe what happens when you're sent to music lessons or, without like a really deep desire to be learning it. Um, the other thing I noticed is that people these days not, aren't necessarily listening to a lot of music or the music they are listening to is not really connected to playing drums. So there's again a bit of a disconnect and, and for me like if, if that had been the case I don't think I would have had anywhere near the, the uh, capacity to practice like I was because for me it was all coming mostly coming from initially at least coming from a place of i want to be able to do what i'm hearing yeah um and if you're not hearing anything then why are you going to be practicing you know so um so yeah so that's one one way i would approach practice and and then you know again i would pull in this is where the kind of the boxing thing or or the sport thing would come into play i would pull in like okay i'm going to do x amount of rounds of um, you know, three-minute rounds of playing singles, and then I'm going to do three-minute rounds of playing doubles, and I'm going to do the same thing around the kit, I'm going to do a left-hand siding, I'm going to do a right-hand siding, and little things like that, so, you know, man, I, at different times, like, I would be waking up at, like, you know, 5.36 in the morning, and I'd go into, like, the uh, like our little room downstairs, and I'd play on a Pratt, and, like, like a practice kit, and practice along to, like, um, you know, like Virgil in doing the power drumming workout, or something like that, which was, like, a 40-minute thing, and, and um, and I just do that. And that's sort of stuff I love. It's just like super fundamental, super basic, super, um, you know, non-technical ideas, but but to execute them really well. The drills. Um, that just, just, that just drills, drills. Yeah. yeah. And and that's the sort of stuff I love. And that's the sort of stuff I loved in, in sport as well. I mm-hmm. love doing all those sort of things. So um, so that's one aspect of playing, obviously. Then the other aspect is, you know, or one of the other aspects is, you know, you know time and, and learning how to play different sorts of grooves and you know playing like you said playing along with a click definitely spent a bunch of time doing that playing along to different loops and um as well as playing along to records without click and um and so yeah so the the practice was definitely quite broad um and then you know just obviously a bunch of time trying to copy you know my favorite players and you know and again back to the you know vhs tapes like i would rewind and you know fast forward bits and like really like just drill little things over and over i remember like there was an ad on (laughs) This was before I even had, like, Steve Yad's tape, but that was, like, that's an ad on one of them for, for Steve's video. And that was, like, him playing the late in the evening groove, like, which is his famous, like, Mozambique thing, um, assimilation. And I remember, like, there was, like, a 15, 20-second snippet of him playing this thing. You've probably seen the yeah. the, 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 um, the ad that I'm talking about. Um, and that was, like, how I learned to play that groove, you know. And, then, and this is where Dad kind of came in as well. Like, obviously, apart from showing me the basics and, and kind of being there as a guide throughout this whole process, um, he would kind of hear me doing something, and he'd maybe like pop his head into the practice room and be like, "Okay, that's cool, but maybe try it like this." And yep. then all of a sudden, it would kind of make sense. I remember something specifically like there was a time where I was trying to play along to one of the songs on on the first Toto record, and again, I would have been twelve, thirteen at the time. And there's like this this break in one of the songs where Jeff does this big like sixteenth note like triplet fill around the toms, and I was like, you know, playing along, and was, you know, Dad was watching, and 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 time comes with this fill. He probably doesn't even remember this, definitely wouldn't remember this. Um and, and I just like started blazing and like played like just tried to play super fast around the toms. And he picked me up straight away and he's like, uh ah, 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 ah. like um this this is what it is. This is, you know. And and just little things like that and explain, you know, and all of a sudden that opens you up to um again to really defining what it is that you're hearing and kind of leads to the transcription type thing. But I like the transcription, I didn't spend a bunch of time much time writing things out that I was hearing but I spent so much time and still do spend a lot of time just listening to things um and then later on once youtube really kicked in and like I said I had the videos but once youtube kicked in then it was like a whole world opened up that I was just like constantly like I'd download stuff I'd watch it on the school bus and then I'd come home and I'd try and work it out and that's where I first started to see kind of the next generation of guys like Aaron Spears and like people like that you know and that started opening up to a whole another world of of playing so um but, yes, but I've always been, like, quite analytical and and, and and almost to the point of obsession of, like, really wanting to figure things out and, and, and make sure what I'm hearing is... Um, or what I'm doing is, is, is how I want it to be and, 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 and how, it was, how I was hearing it. So, um, yeah, attention to detail, I guess, is, mm. is all that is. Mm. But, but yeah, I was doing most of this kind of, just, kind of just on my own. So there was obviously such a massive drive and passion for playing and, and the instrument at that point. Um, and and you know, and still is. But like I said, the practice these days is a little bit different, um and a little bit more uh less kind of overall practice it's be more, focused. a bit more focused and yeah, and like I said, I have a few more balls to juggle these days, so um but uh but yeah, like I you know, that whole process I, I loved and still love and uh and yeah, man, I mean there's so many other people that I'm not even mentioning but um that were that have been so influential and, and everything in the process. Um but like I said, like, you kind of, you take, you know, one thing and then you kind of family tree it off and then you find all these other guys and, you know, every everyone from the main guys, Dennis and all the people I mentioned before, um, you know, all the, and then other records my dad had was, like, uh, Return to Forever and, like, so Lenny White and, like, people like that and that led to the Chick Corea thing and that led to Steve Gadd and that led to Tom Brecklin and, and all the guys that, you know, Chick was working with and, um, you know... And, uh, yeah, so, that, I mean, you know, so many different Billy Cobham and, like, I'm going to keep remembering people throughout this podcast. But, <laughs> you don't um, need to name them all. <laughs> cool. um, and then even, like, more obscure people later on were, like, um, guys that were kind of coming out of Africa as well that Zona had been working with. was, yeah. like, Paco Seri and, like, Moktasamba Samba and, like, cats like that that were kind of doing more the world music thing. Um, but, again, like, just a different approach to what I was hearing. Um, and then, like I said, when the YouTube thing started kicking in, uh, i don 't remember what I feel like the first thing I think I saw was was maybe like you remember when they did Live eight um, and obviously i don 't remember what year that was, but I, I feel like that was one of the first times I saw like the kind of modern approach to like the modern gospel approach to like pop music and shows like that because I remember Keith Harris being on it with the black eyed peas and there was also i'm pretty sure Stevie was on the gig as well or on the on the festival or the show. Um, and Stevie was another one that I really listened to a lot growing up his live record in Japan, Natural Wonder was another one that was like on constant repeat in the car um, and Jerry Brown's on that record and that was amazing just in terms of like learning, you know, learning how to play ballads, learning how to play funk grooves learning how to, you know, learning how to play with horns like all that sort of stuff, you know um, again, listening back to those records now, it's like it's, there's so much depth to to all of them, you know, and same thing with all those guys I mentioned before, you know Or or whoever it is you know there's so much weight to their playing um that uh you know like you could study it for a lifetime so um but yeah i think that i think that gig was the first time i kind of seen that approach and then from there it was like what the hell is this like and i I was pretty young but um but i remember that really like stepping out at me because i'm pretty sure yeah keith was playing like how keith plays and um and kind of yeah like getting like all these gospel type feels and things and i was like i gotta check more of this out and that was kind of around the same time i feel as youtube was happening or, or like the internet was kind of becoming more of a thing and um and that led me to yeah to aaron spears and to teddy campbell and to later to rex hardy and like all the guys like that um and then once i started checking out those guys a lot it was and all the artists they were working with usher and Beyonce, Gerald you know, Haywood was another big one at the time. Um, man, there, again, there are so many, I'm going to forget names, but there are so many of those sort of guys as well.
0: Tony uh, Royster Jr. Tony
1: Royster, man. man, Tony yep. Royster, absolutely. Um, and, uh, yeah, I saw Tony when I was pretty young. Mm. Again, I saw that video of him playing at the Modern Drama Festival and I was like, holy shit. Because yeah. um, Tony's probably maybe 10 years older than me-ish, yeah. maybe. Um, so kind of the next generation up. But it's interesting because those guys like Tony and Ron Brunner and, Thomas Bridgman was another massive one. I remember first seeing Thomas and being absolutely blown away, um, and uh, and still am. You know, um, and I've been fortunate enough to catch all these guys live now, um, which has been amazing. And it's always very different seeing them in the room and seeing them. You know, whether that's a small room or like on a you know on a big tour or whatever, um, always try and make sure I get to I go out and see any of these sort of people when you know when they're playing. Um, but those, what's interesting about those guys is that I kind of could relate to them because they had a lot of the same influences that i had you know they were looking at dennis they were looking at vinnie they were looking at Weckle and all those guys um and i could hear all that in their playing Um, but they also had the other thing which i didn't have which was the kind of coming from the gospel church scene and so it was kind of this new wave of um of kind of taking the you know really like uh you know all round fusion you know kind of approach that you know the vinnies and guys like that had kind of pushed to the extreme and then it was, like, adding this new flavor to it. So, to me, it was, like, super exciting and super fresh. And, uh, and again, something else that I started to really dive into. Um, and, again, not just, like, checking out their drum videos. I was, like, which I think is kind of a little bit of a... To me, there's, again, there's so much more to it, right? Like, um, yeah, like, there was the videos that were floating around. But I would really make sure I would try and listen to the records that these guys were on. And and that led me to, you know, to the people that they were checking out as well. So, um, you know, and with the gospel thing that led to like, you know, uh, you know, you hear Rex Hardy talk about Calvin Rogers and then you go from Calvin Rogers playing with like Fred Hammond and Marvin Sapp to, to the, even the guys who were doing it before him and, and checking out like the, the Hawkins family and like all those sort of records. So it was like you kind of, again, go through the history of each kind of genre, um, but not in like I want to know everything sort of way. It's just a, it's just what was jumping out at me at the time and it like and was exciting to me. So So at the same time as I had kind of this like, heavy like slipknot sort of sort of thing happening i was also starting to get into um that sort of modern uh approach to the pop and and r and sort of shows and again would like at the time i'd go to jb and i'd like i'd buy all those dvds i'd buy beyonce live i'd you know i'd sit with gerald haywood and i'd buy like mary j blige with rex or i'd like and make sure i was like across what was happening at the time and again obviously these days there's so much more to, to so much more access to stuff but um, and then I would add that into everything I was doing. So I would, you know, not only try and kind of understand the approach to the music that they were playing and how they were going at it, but I would also play along with it. You know, now I was just playing, now I was playing along with straight concerts. So I was used to like, okay, here I'm, weirdly, like I'm hearing crowd noise. I'm hearing like, mm. you know, um, I'm playing along with, with tracks, I'm playing along with playback, but I'm also playing along with a live band. So it's like kind of all the stuff I've started doing professionally in the last you know, decade or so was already happening back then. Play, so,
0: playing along to out of time clapping. Yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah, on exactly. One, on yeah. it's free. and <laughs> Totally, man. All of it, all of it. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, so uh, as you can tell, I'm like, I'm a pretty like voracious learner. Yeah. Um, yeah. and, and kind of always have been and still something I, and I love. And, and, and like I said, like when I moved to Sydney, um, that like I'd started doing a bunch of work in Melbourne and, uh, like when I graduated high school, um, and playing a variety of gigs, like I was playing with a couple of bands that were getting like some Triple J kind of play and stuff like that, kind of like indie rock stuff, which was cool. Um, but at, around the same time, I'd started working with Ricky Lee as well, and she was based in Sydney.
0: Hang on, um, a bit. so let's step back a little bit. Mm-hmm. So I heard that you won a you won uh, a yeah. up and coming drumming. I did. Yeah. So, talk, I did because the Ricky Lee thing came that after came after, after that, that. Yeah, yeah so. so talk, where, where, what was that out of?
1: So, the competition? Yeah. Yeah, so the competition was a thing that... I'm not sure if they still do it, but it was through Drum Tech. So, Frank Quantiola, yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, who's obviously the head of Drum Tech um, yeah. out of Melbourne, uh, had this competition uh, called Australia's Best Up and Coming. And they had, like, a bunch of categories. Like, there was the... Like caught, I think it was the open category and then there was like a couple of age categories below that. And I'd never like... I'd, Dad at that point had taken me to a couple of... Because it was connected to the Ultimate Drummers Weekend yep. at that point. So um, at that point, Dad had taken me to a few of the festivals, um, which were like a two, three-day thing in Melbourne. Um, and that's where I got to first see some of like my, my heroes at the time, right? So I got to see Weckl for the first time. and I got to see a bunch of guys that were coming out for these things. And then... Um, so I went to those for a few years. And then once I graduated... I, but I'd never done any of the competitions and I didn't really, uh, it wasn't really on my radar at the time. Um, and and, and I, like I said, I wasn't really part of, I was very much an outsider to, to all of this stuff, you know, because I, I was living far away from what felt like everything at the time. Yep, yep. Um, but once I graduated, it was kind of like the year straight out of school. I was practicing a lot. Um, I was kind of figu- trying to figure out how, to, I was doing some teaching. I was trying to figure out how to kind of make everything work, Take you know take everything from where I was to to the level that I wanted it to be and at that point like like I said I was playing some shows and doing you know some original sort of uh, bands and stuff like that Um, but also had you know I'd spent all this time kind of checking out all the kind of uh, the guys that were doing the big pop tours and all that sort of stuff so that was also something that I definitely wanted to experience Um, but wasn't really sure how to make it happen because it's a bit of a um, it's a bit of a kind of ghost industry in a sense you know and part of the part of the music business um which is kind of spoken about, but also not really. You kind of even and even though people are up there with the artist, it's like it's a it's yeah, it's just a bit of an enigma sort of side of the the game. So, um, like I said, I wasn't really sure how to make it happen, but I was super hungry um, and uh, and so at, at that point I I hadn't really started like hitting people up yet, but I but the competition thing kind of came up, and I was pretty late to the game. Really, like I think it was maybe like four or five weeks out from the like from submitting whatever I had, to, I had to submit that I really decided that I was going to give it a crack. And and I did, man. Like, I I think I had to play like a... Um, and there was an On The Verge tune that I played. Um, so that was like... Which to me, that was like right up my alley. Like, that the that On The Verge record... That's the whole story, but that On The Verge record was super important and special to me and still is. Um, a dear family friend of ours, Phil Tercio, who's actually the keyboard player on that record um and funny story he gave (laughs) my dad started at one point doing some um like function gigs with phil and a bunch of those those guys and uh and the way dad tells it is phil kind of gave he was like oh man check like check this cd out sort of thing and gave dad and 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 dad's cousin actually he was playing with as well this kind of this disc and like they were driving home from the gig like super tired super late night and they put this record on and they're like holy shit (laughs) and it's like obviously like for everyone who's heard that record it's Virgil playing drums and like it's Virgil's band basically but um but super that, that like progressive hard to
0: find isn't it
1: yeah. yeah yeah I don't think it's any like on any streaming services or anything no. like that but it's a little bit yeah under the radar these days yeah. but um but for me that was like that was a massive record for me in terms of progressive music like I'd been a fan of Virgil obviously massively up until that point and had spent so much time You know, checking out his videos and like anything I could find of his, but but that record at that point, I was again I was pretty young. I would have been maybe eleven or twelve when I first heard it, and spent the next you know twenty years trying to figure out what the (laughs) hell was going, what was going on there. But I still am. Um, But uh, yeah, so that um, so that yeah that record was massive. Um, But so that was one of the one of the tunes on that was one of the things I had to play for the submission i did that and there was a bunch of like snare jump things i had to do and whatever so to me it was like very manageable to do but i i was pretty focused in that few weeks so like i remember again i kind of treated it like i was going into a ufc fight or something like i was getting up i was running super early i'd come home i'd practice i'd record whatever i need to record and then yeah a few weeks later i sent it all off and then ended up i don't know how long it took but I ended up getting a call from from frank um a, you know a little while later and kind of, <laughs> kind of almost being like, who, like, who are you? Who the like, <laughs> <just> like what? <laughs> which is, which is really sweet That's and cool, kind of yeah. funny. Yeah. Um, but you know, and he's, and you know, since then he's been, you know, so I haven't seen him, I've spoken to him for a long time actually, but you know, he was super supportive once we ended up meeting and, and all that he's, you know, he was really encouraging and, and supportive of me and, um, and anyway, so I ended up, you know, going through that process and ended up kind of winning the thing and, um,
0: so, so does it, does it go from the submission, so they so, uh, kind of, I think, I think
1: whoever, like however many people submit and yep. then they, which is just like a, a DVD recording yep. at the time. Yep. And then, and then they check those out and then they kind of go through those. And I think they choose three or four people and then, and then you guys go in, um, at the ultimate drummers weekend, I yeah, think, and right. then do like, like a kind of a, like a live thing, um, a performance or whatever. I think that's what happened. I'm trying to, yeah, I actually don't remember exactly, but I'm pretty sure that's what that was the How process. How wouldn't you
0: remember that though? <laughs> You're fucking like, playing at the ultimate. Man, it feels with like you,
1: man. it feels like so long ago, <laughs> yeah. but I think I think that was the process, and then yeah. and then I'm pretty sure they choose on the day yeah. who the winner was, and um, and and yeah, I was fortunate enough to win, and it's actually funny because a bunch of my another mate of mine, Brendan Tan, was also in the competition, but I think he was in a different age category that day. But but Brendan's like become a really good mate, and he's. Um, and he's now playing with Tones and I. And he just did the New Year's Eve uh, yeah. thing for ABC yep. the other night, which was awesome. And um, So he's another phenomenal drummer. But there was like a bunch of us up at the time that didn't really know each other. But in, recent, in, more, in later years, I've kind of realized we were at this thing kind of together, um, which is funny. But um, So, yes, yeah, so I ended up you know, being fortunate enough to win that. And then from that came some like endorsement deals and things like that. And uh, so that was my first taste of kind of navigating that side of the industry, and which was a little bit strange at the time because I wasn't touring. So, the endorsement thing's kind of a, a, a strange topic as a musician. I feel, especially if you're not at a point where you're kind of needing tour support, because that's kind of the main thing. Obviously, you know, like it's cool to get discounted gear and and and, and whatnot, yeah, but, but but you need but, the money to buy. But, but you need to the money to buy. The but also, gear in the first but place. yeah. But the main thing I think is really the tour support, meaning that whenever you're in a different city, you have access to you know they'll they'll send you a kit or or you know for reduced cost depending on the deal with the distributor and the and yeah. the particular backline company at the time, but. Um, in in Australia anyway, that's kind of how, how it all rolls. But um, so it took me a little bit a little bit of time to kind of get my head around that, and it was not until really a few years later when I was more, when I was actually touring that I kind of started to put the pieces together properly. So, um, but having said all that, it was obviously a great honour and really cool to you know kind of start to be involved with some of these mm. companies and, and people at the time um, or distributors of these companies, you know. So um, and then the following year, kind of as a as a as part of the prize, if you will. Um, you get to kind of open the, the festival the next year, so um, so I did that, and that was that was again a cool experience. I was pretty young; I was maybe twenty years old at the time. Um, I think in between, then I'd also opened for Virgil, and he's Australian clinic tour. So yeah. I, when Virgil played, he did a clinic in Melbourne. I was like the opening act, um, which was which was a great you know a, a pretty like full circle moment for me. At the time, you know, I was remember being very nervous um, and I remember like warming up and, uh, you know, kind of just sound checking and all that. And I remember Virgil standing off to the side um, and, uh, and at the, I, which I skipped. I'm, at, I'm
0: getting nervous. Yeah, man. It was, him standing it was pretty there.
1: funny, but he was also standing with, um, <laughs> I'm pretty sure, if I remember correctly, Graham Morgan might have been there as well. Right. Um, and what I did mention before is that during high school, even though I was living down in, in Ocean Grove, I... Uh, At one point, I ended up getting into the the College of the Arts High School in Melbourne. Mm -hmm. So I was um, taking the train up and like doing that whole thing for about six months. It didn't really work out for me at the time. I wasn't; it just wasn't kind of the right fit, and it was like a lot of living down. Like it was like a two-hour trip each way, each day. So it was it was a massive uh, time investment, and I just and I frankly at the time I just wasn't happy being there, and I didn't feel like I was getting to do what I really wanted to be doing. So it didn't really work out. But one of the main reasons I went initially was because i knew graham was teaching there so i knew, obviously knew graham was um one of virgil's teachers growing up so that was kind of a cool thing and spending and i only had a handful of lessons with him there to be honest like but it was one of the high, it was probably the highlight of being there um and uh and kind of he opened my eyes up to um you know uh, kind of not that i didn't know about them but like really understanding uh because i'd obviously been listening to what i'd been listening to but really understanding odd groupings and polyrhythms and things like that it was kind of graham who really turned me onto that um so getting to spend those few lessons with him you know however I, you know there weren't many but uh it was a it was a handful of them and and seeing him just on a pad like perform all this stuff like flawlessly was also pretty pretty exciting you know pretty cool so um yeah some, so yeah fast forward to the clinic thing i'm pretty sure they were both standing there and i was like oh this is this is a pretty <laughs> hectic moment but <laughs> um but uh yeah so that was the experience with 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 frank and and drum Tech and and like i said frank's you know being super supportive and um, and I think the following year he invited me to their, um, it would have been maybe their 20th anniversary. Uh, like they had a bit of a dinner function sort of thing and, and, and in Melbourne somewhere. And I remember, you know, Dave Walker was there and Thomas, Thomas Lang was there and, and then some other, you know, other Aussi- Aussies were there as well. Like, uh, uh, Gordo was there and like a bunch of people, man. So it was, so getting to hang with Gordo for the first time was really cool. And, um, and, uh, I remember being in a conversation with Dave, Thomas and Gordo and uh, just like, and I'm like 20, 21 at this time, man. It was like super weird. Again, I've been watching all these guys for years, hearing about them for years. It was like kind of during a headlight sort of vibe, <laughs> as you can imagine. But you know, they're to- you know, God and Dave talking about like technique and like Freddie Gruber and like Dave's transition and like it was just a very sur- even talking about it now is it a very surreal moment. Um, because I kind of, I almost don't even really remember. I remember being there, but I don't even know if I said anything. <laughs> One of those moments, yeah. <laughs> One of those moments, for sure. Um, but uh, as far, I actually bumped into Godhead the other week yep. at, a, um, at a show in Adelaide, which was nice. I always, I see him quite often at airports. That's where yeah, I see him yep, these days, yep, which is yep. funny, or on flights. He's always, he's such a legend, man. He's such a lovely guy and amazing. I used to see him all the time playing on Idol as a kid. Um,
0: I got to play his drums the other day. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's cool. So, um, yeah, when Hung out at their house on Boxing Day. And oh, amazing! I guests. mean, he's
1: got a like a studio and stuff yeah, out yeah. there as well. Yeah, hey, yeah. 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 Yeah.
0: yeah. I had a jam with um, Bill Risby. Do you know Bill Risby?
1: Yeah, not personally, but yeah. Yeah,
0: so, wow, mate, one of the world class. Oh man, absolutely. And his young son is a up and coming bass player. I mean, oh he's wow! Phenomenal.
1: Oh hectic. So yeah, I remember hearing about Bill through. I think through maybe Paul Mason and like that crew.
0: Yeah. So I, I was. They were they were jamming and J- Jim Peace was playing drums. Okay because he was there yeah right so i'm standing there watching bill and bill's son and jim yeah and then jim goes oh he, he sort of says is there any brushes anywhere and i yeah. and i went i'm sure there's some brushes in this, yeah. in this studio somewhere yeah so i went around the side room and there's like a room there and um there's all sorts of stuff in this room and yeah. piles of sticks mm-hmm. and in one pile there was one brush with the bent bent arm yeah right and then the other brush was in another pile with the with the bent brushes parts yep. so i squared them all brushes. up yeah I, I squared them they're probably all in his bags yeah. <laughs> but i right. found these two and i took them to gym and jim yep. played which is just magic what's oh, amazing play. man and then he like he left name. the room and yeah i got up there to jam with him so Oh, fantastic really awesome yeah man mm. yeah
1: uh, yeah legends but yeah gordo, yeah gordo is such a such a lovely guy yep such a massive uh, Toto fan, which I love. We always, <laughs> every time I see him, we always, that always seems to come up. Um, he turned me on to Luke book, which I'm up yep. which reading, which is which is really cool. Um, but yeah, he, yeah, just hearing God, he's such a funny storyteller, and sure is. Um, yeah, yeah, he's a really good guy. Well, I, we actually haven't, since I've been living up here, like we haven't spent a bunch of time. It's kind of usually catching each other in passing and stuff like that, but. Um, but, yeah, anytime we, we hang out, it's always it's always great fun. And, and uh, yeah, he's such a lovely guy. Well,
0: yep. Yeah, man. He just makes time for everybody. Man. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. He's a special guy. Yeah, for mm.
1: sure. Um, but, uh, yeah, I kind of forget what I was saying. What were, you, what were we talking about before? Uh,
0: I was talking about the drum tech we, thing. So, yeah, drum so, drum so the drum tech thing, yep. So yep. Yeah, so
1: from there, I, um, so that was, all, you know, all amazing experience, but kind of a little bit out of context because it was like a kind of a separate thing to mm. – any of the work I was doing, like I'd been fortunate to start doing a bunch of gigs like around town, outside of the original thing. I'd started working, kind of doing the cover and type of thing with, um... Uh, Mark Amato was like the first guy that called me to do that, who's like a really renowned cable player, MD, based out of Melbourne. Um, again, that was a connection through Dad. He, he, he'd he done some gigs with Mark, and Mark was, had kind of been a bit of a mentor to me in, the, in those few years. So, you know, he'd take me to show, take me to gigs, and, and I remember seeing Mark, like, he got my sister and I tickets to go see he was doing the support for Whitney Houston which was her last tour out here the tour unfortunately where her voice wasn't quite there and she was getting a bit of bad publicity but for me it was like an amazing experience seeing like Mark up on that stage and uh and seeing that gig because that, that was kind of early on when I just before maybe I could drive and, and like I said living far away I wasn't getting a chance to see a heap of stuff so that was really special to me and um and then from there i uh i started trying to go to everything i could like i said so when asha would come out i'd go when rihanna would come out i'd go so i was like making sure i getting to see like all those big sort of like pop r&b acts at the time kind of that i was that i was really heavily checking out um as well as like i said doing the original thing and then did this thing with drum tech and frank and was you know really fortunate to 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 end up winning and get out of it what i what i did um and then from there, I kind of like I went and spent a little bit of time in Los Angeles and, and had some lessons over there and kind of hung out for a couple of months, and, which was really nice. It was like my first time living alone, essentially, and um, did, spent a bunch of time, as even though I was right in L.A., I spent a bunch of time on my own, which was nice um, to kind of like a bit of a break from like what I felt like was like a 10 year run of, of kind of pretty hard work and a lot of time and investment. And so it was almost like a, you know just a bit of a breather um in a sense as well as getting to check out a bunch of things in person and and you know go to jams where you know Gordon Campbell was hanging out and like I remember being at one and Mike Mitchell was playing and like I remember seeing Matt Gasker around and like all these guys it was like okay it was like there was a it was a bit of a buzz happening and, and and it was cool to be around that you know um and uh and I came back from there um kind of with every intention of going back however obviously with the U.S. there's you know getting a visa for the states as just a like freelance guy is, is pretty difficult next to impossible really um unless someone over there is kind of sponsoring you or you're going over with it with an artist so so it was almost like in the meantime i was like how am i going to make this happen so i started basically putting um you know finding like you know going online finding like management companies and like different things and just like sending out emails and like um uh just like you know sometimes I'd cold call and sometimes I'll you know just like trying to hustle things together because I felt like again at that point I was so far away from everything that I really wanted to somehow kind of break in you know um and uh and one of the people that I managed to get through to was was Ricky Lee's partner um and manager and uh and we started talking and he and he was like yep send me something through and I did and uh and then I get a call like from like Ricky and she's like, Man, like what what is this? This is amazing. Like she was so stoked. And uh and this is man, this it's kinda of funny in hindsight in terms of quality because things have stepped up so much in these ten years. But this was literally me like on an electronic kit, playing along, probably live, like nothing's going through like a door or anything like that. Everything's playing like on the pads, like probably through an amp with like the music laid over the top. So it's like pretty raw. Um <laughs> which is but obviously they saw something that, that they that they dug and and probably uh liked the fact that I was quite hungry for it and all of that so next thing i know i'm like uh, at a bar with them in melbourne discussing like things that they want to do and things that are coming up and i'd like i'd actually gone to see the show before this happened so she was touring in melbourne and and i went and caught the show and um i think that's how the timeline worked and then yeah and then the first thing we did was um yeah i then found myself a few months later like on sunrise in sydney and uh and again i was living still where i was living and they were you know graciously flying me up and down for rehearsals or for gigs and so it went from like a couple of tv things then we did like a big unique new year's thing on the harbor in uh in like 2012 to 13 and then um she was kind of in the middle of a tour at that point but was making some changes with her with her lineup again all all this was like oblivious to me at the time um i was just kind of i didn't really have any idea or anything i was just like they would like like we want you and and uh and i was like cool let's do it so um, so jumped on some of those shows and then, yeah. And then, you know, and then we have something coming up this week. So this is like, mm. it's been like a 10, yep. 10, 4, 10, 12 year period now on and off of like and working together, which is kind of rare. Um, I've found, you know, working with other people. So that's cool.
0: In um, my, in my opinion, Ricky Lee is one of the greatest voices ever come yeah, out of Australia. Yeah, and, she's and, a phenomenal singer. And, for sure. um, you know, why she's not more of a global star. This is my opinion. Yeah. And Maybe not.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's I mean, those sort of metrics are always super interesting, and, and I've learned to, that you can never, you can kind of never pick it. You know, songs that you think are, will be really big aren't big, and then songs that you kind of go, oh, that's interesting, that's big, like everyone loves. It's like, mm. I, and I can imagine trying to like build a career in that in that sort of sense as a pop star is is such a there are so many again so many factors, so many variables. But you know, to her credit, she's been able to maintain and grow her career from you know pretty humble beginnings. Um, and, uh, and yeah, and she, again, her and her partner, Rich, have been so supportive of me and so, like, welcoming and That's and, and uh, everything right from the get-go. You know, like, when I was first coming up here, I'd stay at their place, you know, they were living in, in, uh, in Darlinghurst at the time, just off Oxford Street. So, I was like, it was a whole new world for me, you know. So, um, at that point, like, any of the original stuff I was doing, I'd never toured it, I'd never travelled it. So, it was, like, my first taste of, kind of, touring and, and, mm. and all that. So... Um, and learnt a lot. And then, you know, first time playing along with the click, first time playing along to playback and tracks and cues and all that sort of stuff. So it was um, – I you, definitely – Did you
0: feel you were prepped for that though from all the work that you I think
1: done? so, yeah. Oh, yeah. I was so hungry to, to yeah, jump yeah, in yeah. And, and if anything, it was like I wish there was more shows. Yeah, okay. And at the, I remember her saying at one point, I'm like – she's like, man, I wish we were doing more. I'm like, that's cool. <laughs> but because uh, I was – you know, I was so raring to go, you know. Um, and then eventually like a couple – a year or so later, I ended up moving, moving up here. Um, knowing that I kind of, that that gig was happening. Not that it was, like, enough to be my full-time job by any stretch, but um, but I knew it was there and I knew they were here. Um, and uh, and then slowly from there, I kind of, like, I drove up here in my car. Didn't even bring a kid because I, at that point, I'd switched. I used to, like, I, when I first started with the endorsement thing, I was playing Gretsch, and then that was just part of it, which was amazing. I was just playing. That was part of the competition. Okay. Um, and uh, and and then ended up switching to D.D. Once I realized, kind of, that... Um, kind of understood the backline thing and especially everything out here i was like maybe i need something that's going to be more a bit more prevalent and like accessible yeah, you know exactly. so um again just my thoughts at the time so um so ended up switching to dw and like so yeah so i drove up here without a kit and ended up black like, buying one and getting that um shipped like to sydney and and uh and then yeah man started very once i got here started very humbly like you know did the 150 dollar gigs did like the free did stuff for free did like every any and everything i could um and uh and a mate of mine actually Ricky's bass player was the guy that first took me to the Monday jam he was still living here at the time he lives in Adelaide now but he um he had a bunch of mates kind of like uh that were were doing the jam so he took me along to that and and that and I and that was kind of my gateway into some of the other stuff around town that's where I met Paul that's where I met Noel and like um that's where I met Steve Lamonte. like all that all that crew I met pretty early on when I moved up here um and uh And again, it was it was nice to just start connecting with other musicians and on a more regular basis, you know. Um, And uh, and then yeah, started you know the network I guess started to kind of grow, and I started getting little calls for things, and you know, can you sub here? Can you jump in here? And um, one of the other really important guys who's become one of my best mates now was that I met was Yanya. Mm -hmm. You know, Um, he really early on, like I met him in Kings Cross at like at a jam. I'm pretty sure actually Kevin was playing drums at that at that gig um and uh so I started to meet that crew the Martinez boys like all of that um but Yanya was like I'm pretty sure he drove me home that night and he mm. was um super again has been super supportive of me ever he's, since he's we pretty met...
0: special like that
1: oh man absolutely and I know he's been like he's probably I, my story is probably very similar to a lot of people's stories in that yep. sense but um but yeah we've become super close and uh and you know he's had me you know I'm really thankful that he's had me sub for him on a bunch of shows over the years and um, whether it's with Tani or um, Joy, Jared James, um, who am I forgetting? Uh,
0: yeah, I was going to ask Hatch, about Joy so because jo- of- I, I, I did see on your your socials that yeah. you played with with Joy, yeah, and, and, and Mark, yeah. So I yeah. I, Mark, I, yeah, another one I love. Yeah, yeah, and because I knew Yanya played with Joy for sure. Yeah, well, I, yeah. So yeah,
1: I, so the Joy thing was funny. That was um, so the, the Joy thing happened, I think, in 2017 was the first show. So Jan got the call. A bunch of our other mates had been working with Liv, at Joy, at that point, um, but again, I kind of like tea. I don't think she'd done shows for a while, so she kind of had a fresh start. And uh, I'm not sure how Yanya got the call, but he got the call to MD her her new set basically. Yeah. Um, and she had a tour coming up supporting Kalani, who's like a big like R&B yeah. artist from the states. Um, and she was coming out to here to do a run, and uh, and I, well, I think yeah. So on that run, Yanya was. Uh, he was going to be out with Tandy, so they were, I think, doing the, I forget what tour they were doing. They were doing pretty big shows. I think they were doing, fuck no, I can't remember because yeah. I, I just remember that at one point us being all in the same city yeah. and going out for dinner. And and the first time I tried like um, maple, I uh, tried pancakes and like um, maple syrup and like and, and bacon. <laughs> I did like that whole thing, the Canadian breakfast thing. <laughs> right. Yanya's like, "You've not tried this?" I'm like, "I have definitely not," and I probably haven't had it since. But it was a fun night. <laughs> Um, so that was I, remember, I just remember that night, and that was, right. um, but yeah, so I can't remember exactly why Boston couldn't do it, but there was obviously some clashes to some uh, in some way. So he asked me if I would be keen to do it, and uh, and I said definitely. Um, and and yeah, really grew to love lives music, like it's, it's some of my favorite music I have played. I think um, so. We did that tour, and then over the years, I've kind of jumped in on a bunch of other shows for her, um, and we've kind of like swapped back and forth. I th- I'm pretty sure. Maybe Dom has jumped in as well, and I think yeah, she's had. I think there's been a few like just a bunch of guys at Boston will call if um, if he can't make it. Yep. Um, and yeah, I'm just you know stoked that I'm on that list. But uh, cool. but even outside of the music stuff, man, like he you and know, I've spent a lot of time hanging out, and if I've been down, he's absolutely been someone who's there for me, um, and uh, and kind of you know persevered even if I'm like crawling into my kind of I'm a bit of a hermit sometimes and he's like very much one to pull, to pull, pull me out, out of that space yeah, so yeah, yeah. um so he's definitely been that mate for me and I you know super super grateful for that and uh and you know and any you know anytime he calls for anything or needs anything I'm always you know you know ho- hoping I can help him out you know whether it benefits me or not you know it's just one of those things so um and it's nice having those relationships man when it, especially it's cool when it crosses over with work but I think it's you know those sort of relationships and friendships are um go far beyond like gigs and shows and yeah. any of that sort of stuff you know so um yeah they're the sort of mates that you kind of hang out with at one in the morning you know eating thai food or getting a juice or something you know it's just it's that sort of nice stuff you know have stupid jokes with and all that good stuff so um and again he's someone who's been in there and kind of done it all so you know i've learned a lot i learned a lot from him kind of even just being around him and um you know he kind of got me into running playback and like all that sort of stuff so from some of those skills that he's opened me up to I've been able to take those and and you know then I ended up MDing Ricky and like MDing a few other things and so I've kind of been able to apply a bunch of those things that he kind of opened me up to 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 other things so um so yeah man it's been it's yeah he's a legend and as, as we all know but um but yeah so he was one of the guys I met like early on and then and uh that was super supportive as well as you know as well as kevin as well as steve as well as you know all these guys man that were just super warm and open with me and um you know right from the beginning which is which was yeah which was which was really lovely to experience and and i'm super grateful for um and the other thing i mean those guys were all kind of the next step up for me in terms of like professional work but also like age-wise they're a little bit older than me so to varying degrees um but uh, but then I started meeting a bunch of guys my own age who were all younger that were also like phenomenal drummers, and you know, have also become some of my really really good mates. You know, guys like Tully and and Dom, and you know, um, guys like that. You know, who you know who I think are you know amazing players and and awesome guys, and um, yeah, man. I mean, we have so much talent here. It's yeah, crazy. Did, yeah. It's crazy. Not even just in Sydney, in you know, in Australia. Like it's. Yeah, it's wild. Um, Tully, you know, and Tully's definitely one. Tully's one of my favourite players. Tully and I lived together for a little while. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. Back in like 2015 or so, I think it was like a year, six months or a year or so, and he was such, yeah, such a funny guy.
0: In, in Erco? Not in Erco. Oh, this right, was okay. uh,
1: before he moved out there. This okay. was he was in Redfern. Yeah, full mm-hmm. like bars on the window vibe <laughs> <laughs> Before, like, he had like he used to have like a rabbit flag in his window yeah so yeah he's such a yeah, yeah. He's, a, he's a legend and I love him and he's another man like I anytime he puts it like he, a record comes out that he's on I'm the first one if I can, yeah. to fucking jump in and, and yeah. check it out anytime he's doing a show that I can make I'll always go like and you know
0: he,
1: I, yeah he's phenomenal are you gonna
0: go to the Daniel March show
1: Hopefully, yeah, yeah. Same. yeah I know okay. that like Boston's on that, and like a bunch of Adventure. I saw it. Yeah, yeah, I just saw the ad Adventure the other day. But yeah, if I'm around for sure, man. Um, but yeah, like Telly's and he's playing with like uh, like Reuben from from Peaking Dark. Like on the on his solo stuff, like um, is is incredible um, and totally different to what people kind of expect from Tully, as bu- as well as his stuff with like Godtat and yeah. and Hacker and all those projects, man. So he's someone who I will. You know, in terms of records and people that I listen to from around here, like he's definitely one for sure. And I tell him all the time and he hates it, but he's not real good with compliments. But I don't I don't know if any of us are, but he's <laughs> he puts up something, I'm like, fuck man, like yeah. amazing. Yeah. He just yeah, sends me something for back. But um but yeah, man, there are, and there are a bunch of other guys from Australia that like records that are really you know one guy actually that I should mention is Mitch Clues, um, who's a guitarist mate of mine who kind of like I said, up until like my listening had been pretty broad um and then when i moved here like i'd been pretty deep into like the pop r&b thing like i said kind of trying to get that together and then i started working with ricky so that was like really feeding into that and then when i moved here i started doing a little bit more of that sort of stuff with some different artists um uh, i started subbing for another mate of mine dave jenkins um and and his partner time marcus were kind of running a um kind of like an md company so they were pulling musicians together for different um, label artists and things like that and I started subbing in on some of those shows um, and one guy that I met doing one of those shows I remember being I remember this very vividly this is not when I first met Mitch but um, but Mitch and I started doing I think we were working with like Samantha Jade and like Taylor Henderson and a few people like that um, and, uh, and Mitch was like such a phenomenal musician and guitarist and just a guy and has become again become one of my best mates but he kind of at that, at that point like I said my listening had been what it had been but I remember being at Movie World with Mitch and we were doing a show there and uh, sitting backstage or like in some whatever room we were in. And um, and Mitch was kind of like telling me about some stuff he was listening to or mates of his that were doing some different stuff. And I was like, cool, man, like let's have a listen. And, uh, and he pulled out two artists he pulled out, which are very much in the same world. He pulled out Pliny and he pulled out the Helix Nebula. Um, uh, now, for anyone who doesn't know, like those guys have all become like kind of very household named in the kind of progressive instrumental world, not only in Australia, but worldwide. Like they kind of, along with like animals as leaders and like bands like that, um, Pliny's name especially is like right up there with, with, with all those guys, you know? And, and, and I remember, and this was before like his, I think his first like record, proper record had come out. So he maybe only had singles because this would have been like 2015, maybe early 2016. So it was right before handmade dropped and uh and mitch was like man check this out and i remember like he played me like uh he first played with the helix nebula and uh which is um his mate simon grove uh who, who he used to live with and they've been mates for years but he now plays bass with plenty yeah. um but he um that was his band with uh jake hasselmoe steven Taranto, and uh and another uh mate that is nick who was playing drums and uh who's you know all like f- top tier phenomenal like progressive musicians so this was like and then he obviously played me some of the plenty stuff as well and i'm like man what the f- like what is all this stuff like it was like a double take moment of like this is unreal like i felt like where have i been sort of thing um and then quickly kind of like turn the corner again to um again like i said i've been listening to a bunch of heavy stuff but i'd apart from like the on the verge stuff i'd kind of not really progressed in terms of my progressive music listening so i think i'd become aware of um, I would definitely been like I said because when I was in the states, I'd seen Gasker, like Matt around, and and I was aware of people like that, um, but hadn't done like the deep dive into into those records at that time. So Mitch was kind of like heavily, solely responsible for for me kind of taking that route and uh and really kind of reshifting and 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 opening that world up to me again. So um and then fast forward like so that would have been 2015 or so, and then fast forward seven, eight years later, and uh and we're all touring together. Yeah. So we were playing. Mitch and I, Mitch called me to do, um, when Stephen Tranto was putting his solo project together for his, for the two, for the two shows, um, Mitch called me and was like, man, are you interested in doing this? And I was like, I, you know, I was like equal parts terrified and excited because <laughs> I don't know if you've checked out any of that music, man, but yeah. it's like, it's the most complicated music that yeah. I've ever had to play live at least. Like like I've played some pretty hecky stuff like at home and that's fine, but playing it like to an audience that are paying to be there <laughs> is like a very different level. So, so, yeah, so Mitch called me for that and we, and, 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 you know, over the next however long, like, um, we would get together every now and then and, and rehearse and then I end up, you know, obviously meeting Steve-O and, um, and, uh, and yeah, and he's actually one of the guys I mentioned earlier that I was, um, doing some prep for. He's, um, working on, uh, working on some new music at the moment yep. and he's, and, and yeah, we're talking about tracking some drums and stuff for it. So Good he sent stuff. me some demos and yeah, cause I've never recorded with him. So, okay. um, so we yeah so we did, we've done two tours now. The first one we did was was with Lenny, um, opening. So me, yeah, myself Mitch and Steve-o, uh did a, an East Coast run with, for that, and uh, which was amazing, man. Like that record to me. Um, for we did the Impulse Voices tour. Um, this was I think was this last year, maybe last year. I think it was last year. And uh, and that, so with Chris on drums and not,
0: with, not Troy. Yeah. With
1: Chris on drums, yeah, yeah not Troy. Yeah. However, at this point, I'd seen. I absolutely will mention Troy. I'd yep. seen. Um, so this would, like I said, when Mitch turned me onto all this, it was a quick like, oh shit, I got to like catch up here, and like I really dove in. So I dove deep into Animals, deep into checked out that Helix record. And anytime I hear that record now, it's still like, what planet did they? Where did they pull that stuff from? I'm mm-hmm. not sure, but <laughs> mm-hmm. um, so I checked out all that stuff. And then I think the next time Animals came out, I went to the gig, and uh, they were playing in the Metro. Pliny was supporting. Um, Troy was on that show, and I think at that point i'd probably seen troy's videos on youtube yeah. I, I must have because he was like one of the guys like there was troy matt mcguire like who's also out of queensland who now plays with chain um both like incredible drummers and they've both like built these hectic and um, awesome careers um troy i've never met matt troy i've i don't even know if i've actually no i did make I met troy at that gig um but we've never like hung out properly but we've spoken a bunch online over the years and and he's actually subbed for me for a pop thing at one point um in Queensland, so we've kind of become mates just through that, and uh obviously you know a bunch of mutual friends but but yeah, so Troy was on that show with Pliny and uh and man he fuck, he's such a phenomenal player like yeah, and has obviously since gone on to you know do you know intervals and like and then recently I saw him play with architects at the mm-hmm. horden, and, and that was like that was something else man like he's such a such a powerhouse and and uh and again, I know he's like a massive um a fan of like a lot of the people I am so again it's it's really cool to see how we all kind of play differently but we're all kind of coming from a similar um a similar approach and you know and the other band that you know Mitch kind of turned me on to was Carnival that was you know so Steve Jard so that was like um yeah man so it was uh it's a, like it's a whole other it's a whole other world other actually group. at that point like I'd done before I moved to Sydney I'd done kind of an obscure progressive record um it was like, it was, uh, it was the guy, the guy I was working with was, he was a legend, man, and, and great player. He was really into Zappa, so it was more kind of in that world, um, but like, we were playing in like 21, like all these like hectic time signatures and everything, and I remember tracking that in a couple of, maybe even a, in a day or a couple of days, and we did like six or seven songs. Um, sounds weird in retrospect, because it sounds like not a lot of, t- not a lot of time, but, and, and I hadn't had much studio experience at the point, at that point, but um, so, and like i said i wasn't really in that world but i was definitely like playing a lot of my virtual stuff on that record um <laughs> but uh yeah so fast forward to so yeah so i saw animals saw matt live saw troy saw plenty saw the whole thing and and then anytime plenty would play scenes i would i would you know try and catch the gig and and then obviously yeah and then that and then chris started doing the gig and and man like chris and i've become mates now and obviously we toured together and um and and uh Yes, and you know, and Chris is like another phenomenal player. Sure you is. Um, in yeah, he's like he's he, the he comes up with, and and his approach to things, and and like I said, that impulse voices record, and I as soon as I listened to it, um, I fucking messaged the, like, or as soon as it was released, I messaged the voice straight away, and I was like, guys, this is phenomenal. Like I know this sounds shit coming from a mate. Like it's sounds cheesy, <laughs> but like <laughs> this is like an amazing record, and like there are a bunch of moments on that thing that to me is still like magic, um, and. Yeah, like the first track alone is just like, wow, you know, like out of this world. To me, anyway, um, they'll probably laugh at me saying that, but <laughs> that's fine. I'll cop that. I'll cop it from the boys. That's all good. Um, and uh, so, yeah so, I've, yeah, so I've seen the show a bunch of times with careers. And I actually, when I was in the States, uh, I went there um, to an Eric Fortaleza bass player. So he was he was another really important guy that I met up here, he became super tight. Bass player, mate of mine. He now lives in Nashville, um, so he moved there a couple of years ago. Uh, he was playing with like a big country artist over there, and uh, and now he's kind of doing his own, running his own business and running his own like jam session, like open songwriter night, and like he's doing amazing things over there. MDing. He was um, he's MDing like the, the winner of American Idol, and like he's doing all this cool stuff. But he and I went to the States in like 2019 um, uh, for like a couple of weeks, I think. To I think it was a couple of weeks. Um, we went to like the Nam show. Um, and hung out and a bunch of things and, and went and saw Pliny in Anaheim and that's where actually where I met Steven Toronto. so again we'd been chatting at that point and we'd already kind of decided to work together and Mitch had recommended me and but that's where I first met Steve and then like I said that led to like um, you know getting together playing together rehearsing together I kind of put the show together in terms of like the playback stuff which was more of like a thing for me of here's a great way to learn the music because <laughs> I had to really go through and like figure out time signatures and figure out groupings and figure out so I like really mapped it out quite extensively um, and that was an incredible learning process, man. And 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 again, then having to do it live was like, um, was another big learning experience. Um, especially playing in front of like your mates and uh, and pe- and it's a different crowd. It's a different crowd of to playing a pop show or playing you know any like a, a, the other sort of stuff I've done. We've got people, people there
0: standing with arms. Yeah, crossed and, and go, it's, mm, what the fuck's you doing? Here? Yeah, totally. And in, it's not even like in, not even tapping their feet.
1: Right? <laughs> <laughs> it's not even necessarily in a judgmental way, but it's yeah, like yeah, yeah, yeah most of, a lot of the people that come to those things are like heavyweight you know musicians so they like they know what's yeah, going yeah. on yeah. and they know when something's not happening and uh and there were definitely a few moments where things weren't happening but <laughs> <laughs> that's all right, I'll cop that um but like I said it was a great learning experience and uh and and we did a bunch of we did a couple of tours um the second one we did was with Ivanya who's also another amazing guitarist based in Sydney and uh so we did a run with him as well
0: what's his name sorry
1: uh James Ivani.
0: okay
1: um so he's like a yeah he's a really and yeah, again, incredible guitarist, incredible writer. Um, the music's, yeah, it's like I can't, even, I don't even know how to describe it, but um, super complicated, super like, yeah, just just crazy, um, but beautiful stuff, you know. Um, so that's always a lot of fun as well, um, and uh, and yeah, and that's you know led to. Um, yeah, so hopefully getting to record with Steve and yeah. and actually kind of document some of the stuff, which will be a, um, a different experience again and and also very challenging. So I'm trying to get in like as early as I can to spend because I got a bit a little bit more time now at the moment. To I'm not traveling as much to kind of check out other things and and dig my teeth into stuff. So now that I've got some time, I'll really want to like make sure I'm across it yeah. until like he calls and he's like, "Oh, recording next week." I'm like, "Fuck!" <laughs> <laughs> I don't want it to be that sort of situation. So right. Um, so, yeah. So, anyway, so that whole world that kind of really started with Mitch um, has been awesome to kind of dive into. And Mitch is into, like, a whole heap of stuff as well. But And we've done a bunch of different things together over the years in different kind of worlds. But, but yeah, he was the one that kind of turned me on to the more, like, modern progressive thing. And, and, I've, and I've since become, like, a, a massive fan of all those guys, you know, intervals and plenty and – um you know, and periphery, and like all those sort of groups. Yeah, man. Uh, yeah, I'd love the music, and and fortunate now to kind of be mates with some of the guys in there as well. So, um, and kind of, and I've seen it, and made sure, and even before like any of like meeting him or anything, I was making sure I was going and che- checking out the shows, and I went and saw intervals, and when it's like all, anytime I get a chance to see something, I will like, like I said, it's just it's so nice to be around people that you really hold up in high esteem and 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 respect, and, and know are, like on top of there really at the top of their game so um yeah anytime i can and in whatever genre really i'll always try and try and do that you know and whether the gig's a small thing or an arena thing or whatever it is you know i always try and go and hang and and um yeah i usually don't yeah I, people don't even usually know i'm there until like i leave and i like post something and they're like oh shit you're here i'm like yeah man i just let's <laughs> get in, just check it out yeah that's cool. um yeah, because you know it's like it shows sometimes. It's like you don't want to be the guy that's like, "Oh, can we hang out afterwards?" And it's yeah, like yeah. it's always, yeah. I try not to be that guy, which yeah, is yeah. you know, and I totally full respect to you if, if that's kind of your thing. Um, but, but for me, I try to. But it's kind of like my chance to be a little bit more like subtle and under the radar, and I just go like enjoy the gig, and um, and then you know I'll just you know let let them know later that I thought it was mad or whatever. Yes. If you know, sometimes not even that. I'll just mm. kind of let them do their thing. But um, but yeah, I mean, there's so much stuff. So, yeah. Really, like, made an effort the last few years to to check out as much as I can, um, which has been which has been awesome. There's been a few that I've missed, unfortunately, but just like if I'm away or something. Always so away.
0: Yeah, 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 for sure. So but, when you so when when you're in those these quite sort of quieter times, mm. do you do you pull the odd corporate gig and, and?
1: Yeah, I mean, I I mean, man, when I, like I was saying, like I did any and everything when I first moved to town. Yeah. Um, I yeah. Literally any and everything, <laughs> yeah. any gig I was I was offered it was kind of a yes, you know. Um, no, I mean like like these days. But these days, yeah. um, much 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 less. Yeah. Um, f- and kind of, and definitely by design. Um, again, yeah, that's, no, that's what I. That's what yeah. I um, I've, you know, I've definitely clarified kind of the space that I want to be working in, and um, and uh, and and as much as um the money sometimes from those things can be helpful, you know, um in quieter times. I think, yeah. I mean, the reality is that I I don't actually get a lot of offers for it these days. (laughs) Um, Like New Year's, I didn't get an offer for any of that sort of stuff. Whereas in previous years, like I said, even last year I was doing, I had a couple and um, and in previous years, but this year I didn't even get an offer for that. So, Mm -hmm. which is, you know, which is, to me, it's fine. You know, I'm kind of, um, you know, I feel like everyone can, I feel like anyone's always like, I could probably have more money, depending on what, you know, regardless regardless of what level you're at. You know, it's all relative. So, um, but, uh but yeah, in terms of like a, 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 and sometimes some of those gigs are fun. You know, like the last kind of cover thing I think I, had, um, I did in terms of a band thing. Like sometimes I do like a thing where it's just like me playing at a club with a DJ, yeah, which is cool. Um, because I feel like it's just like a three-hour practice session. Yeah, yeah, yeah okay. Yeah. <laughs> and um, and you know, it's yeah, it's just a different thing, and it's like you know, um, but uh, so if I'm available and I'm in town, I'll I'll jump on that. Um, uh, of my Garrett kind of calls me to do a bunch yeah. of that stuff, which is really nice of him. Shout out um, to Garrett. Yeah, totally, man. Um, another yeah, up and coming dude. Yep. Um, so yeah, so thankful for him for that. Um, and uh, but I think the last band thing I did was actually was actually cool. We did G flips. Um, Aria after party. Oh, did so you? It was, yeah. So I was right. at, Like downstairs at the lounge and it was like a sick band. Man, it was like myself. Yanya was playing percussion, um, Dre was singing. Um, uh, Mark Malley was playing guitar. Phoenix was playing keys, and uh, and Adam Andrew was playing bass. Um, so anytime I get to play with those guys, it's always that's, mad. It's um, heavy. And, and playing with a percussionist as well, which I should also mention, it's something I don't get to do very often, but I love, man. And I grew up, like, Dad played congas a little bit as well. And, um, and so we always had some congas in the house. And, and, uh, and like I said, I mentioned Alex Acuna earlier. He was, like, a guy that, you know, he obviously does both incredibly well. And um, and he was someone, like, on, you know, his work with Weather Report. Um, I loved, you know, listening to Heavy Weather. I, that was actually one record I remember specifically kind of at the turning point of like me deciding there were two there was that record and 10 Sumner's Tales uh the Sting record which was kind of a turning point for me
0: yeah man I was
1: (laughs) heard that one once or twice um those two records were like I feel like at the time and maybe Toto 4 were those at the time with things that I was almost like very influential in me deciding to take this route I feel um and uh and then it yeah, so obviously the heavy weather record with Alex, and then it was weird. Like, would have been maybe uh, time frame, maybe ten years later. I was like sitting in his living room in Los Angeles because I went and had a lesson with him, and I could see like the Grammy for Heavy Weather. It was like on his <laughs> on his like above his fireplace, and I'm like, this is such a weird, <laughs> such a weird you moment. Reckon, but you
0: reckon that that there to sort of scare people? Or <laughs> I don't
1: know. Yeah, I don't. I mean, he, he couldn't have been nicer, man. Yeah, he was such yeah. a lovely guy, and and uh, yeah, and that that whole experience was. Like, and like I said earlier about kind of having moments of you know in the last few years of getting to hang with people that you looked up to that was like that was a big one because you know obviously i'd grown up watching him grown up listening to him and then it was there like he's like trying to he's teach me like latin stuff and when i say trying because i was like i was a little bit out of i'd been in la for maybe like a month and hadn't been practicing or anything so i, I felt like out of shape um <laughs> sorry for like what is this guy doing <laughs> but um but it was yeah it's an incredible experience you know and uh being and i think anytime you can be around people who are amazing at what they do for me is like i just soak, try and soak it up like a sponge you know and and hopefully some of it kind of sticks and and you and even if it's not anything literal playing wise or whatever it's just like welcome back to the airport yeah. um it's uh it's just there's there's nothing and as you know there's nothing like you can watch stuff you can listen to stuff but there's nothing like being in the same room as and hearing like the bass drum hit your chest or hearing like or watching someone like watching their snare drum, watching their hi-hat for Like, there's nothing that can replace that sort of, um, uh, like, being that close, you know. And you hear guys talking about the same experience of... um you know, of seeing Buddy or seeing, like, whoever, you know, when they when they were around at that in that sort of era. And it's, like, the same sort of thing. Like, we can watch it and there's so much access to it now and we can get pretty close, but it's not the same as, yeah. like, being in a sweaty club, you know, with low ceilings in the 50s, hearing Buddy, like, do his thing. Like, that would have... Like, if I could go somewhere, that I'd check that out for sure. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely transport me back there.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, and that's why, like I, like I said, I try to get as much of that in now as possible, you know. Um, and... uh and there's always guys to check out, you know, known, unknown, local, international, like whoever it is, there's there's always something cool happening. I think that's what's cool about the internet as well. It's it's really opened up the world and, and or brought the world closer, should I say, and uh and and really ex- shone light on just how many amazing musicians and, and people there are doing their doing their thing. So it's always something to learn, always something to to uh you know, to brush up on or to improve and, and to me that's exciting, you know.
0: So you're in the you're in the pop hip hop space. Yeah, you're in the prog. We could call it prog, I suppose. Yeah, like guitar prog. Yeah. I guess that's what you call it. What? Yeah. Um, yeah. Oh it no no, awesome. um, math metal. That's what Chris told me it's called.
1: Yeah, right. Math metal. I mean Chris would know. So yep. let's call it that. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um,
0: <laughs> could you picture yourself in the Latin space?
1: Ah, uh, I mean. I feel like, I mean, I haven't had a heap of, I mean, through, like I said, through school bands, we played a bunch of Latin charts and stuff like that. And I played like Latin things here and there, but I've never done like, I think that's a, that's maybe one of the genres that's, I mean, I love, I, I really love the music. I love listening to like a good, percu- like Latin percussionist, to me is like incredible. Um, like, you know, Manolo Vadrena or like Pedrito Martinez or like guys like that. And you just like, I sit there and I'm going, fuck, like, it's just, to me, it just, there's something about it. Someone who can, and any time, and I like even playing, like I, I was mentioning before about playing with Younger that night, like playing percussion, it was like, and he can play, like playing congas and all the sounds there. And it's like, oh man, this is incredible. Like I don't get to do this very often, you know? Um And, uh but as far as like me doing like full Latin gigs, I don't know if that's ever a call that'll, that'll come, but I've definitely like spent a bunch of time listening to the music and, you know, I'd like, again, growing up, I was listening to, you know, I'd do the michelle camillo so i remember doing michelle camillo tunes in in high school you know in the school bands and um and uh and then and actually playing some latin percussion stuff in that i actually do you know gareth thompson he's a melbourne guy um he uh he and i went to high school he's a couple years older than me but he he some of the bands i was playing in, he was like he was the drummer and i was playing some percussion and he was like again being a bit older and um and he's now doing awesome stuff man he's like producing and um mixing and and he was in a band called Sex on Toast and he's done, like, a bunch of really cool cool stuff. So it's nice. It seems weird because we both feel like we come from kind of nowhere. <laughs> but uh, he's someone who's gone on to do um, some really cool stuff. And he was living in Vietnam for a while working and um, and we caught up, like, not that long ago. I feel like it was probably a while ago now. But, um, yeah, and it was really nice. Like, we hadn't hung out. Like, we'd been chatting, but hadn't hung out probably in years. So it was nice to kind of touch base again. And um, But, yeah, I remember, like, playing some Michelle Camillo stuff and he was, like, playing drums and, like, was playing some percussion stuff and i'm i'm not a lot of conscious like i've spent a bunch of time trying to learn like basic conga stuff at home dad was always like it's probably a good idea if you can you know do some basic stuff if it ever if the, you know if it ever comes up in kind of a session context or whatever um so I'm, i understand like, i definitely know what it should sound like yeah. um but i think i would still have to put in a bunch of time to kind of feel comfortable playing like at, like the basic stuff you know like um i can kind of get through it but it's not it's not like um It's not like Yanya or some of the other guys around town who, who really you know who really know how to do it. So, um, but uh, yeah, but like I said, I love listening to the music and and have learned a lot watching you know Antonio Sanchez and Horatio Hernandez and like guys like that. Um, And again, even like the get back to the Zonal Weather Report thing. That's very like world music influenced. And um, but uh, but yeah, I mean, if the Latin call comes, I probably wouldn't say no. But I would probably also. dive into do a deep dive into that world for a little bit of a time before I, yeah. before um, jumping in but um, yeah we'll see yeah. Um, but yeah yeah. I guess the yeah the pop thing has been pretty prevalent for me in the last few years and then the hip hop thing as well like um, yeah that kind of started I guess with again like I said I, I, the Yeah Retro Die Trying 50 Cent record was like something I was really into when it came out and then that led me into like I love hip hop now like it led me down to you know Biggie to Park to Jay-Z and like I'm a massive fan of like all that sort of music 90s I think 90s hip-hop especially even yeah. though Get Rich was like early 2000s but the 90s hip-hop thing uh, especially like the the New York thing is like something I'm really into um and uh and then yeah that uh, eventually I got a call to from a mate of mine um Carl who was uh MD funders Thunders at the time he and I worked together um with Tim and Matic back again with Jerome back in the day <laughs> and uh and again i hadn't seen Carl for years dimitega this is Carl kyle and uh I hadn't seen him for years and then i got a call randomly to see if i was available to jump on this fundamentals festival that they were doing big pineapple in in queensland and uh and i happened to be free and i was like absolutely man so but it was like pretty last minute i think it was i pretty sure it was the week of and like i think i got the call on like a tuesday i was probably leaving on the friday or saturday and uh and Probably didn't get the music to like Wednesday or Thursday, <laughs> and it was just like. And again, they just sent me like a bunch of. Um, uh, that's an interesting gig, actually. That's that's uh, in the in the setup wise. Like, there's no click on that gig, but we're playing the tracks. So, okay. um, so it took. And then for that first show, we did not rehearse. So, and that's the that's the ironically that's the it's, biggest... Is that
0: by design as well? Not playing to a click. Yeah. Well, the
1: space. Well, the way they run it is. Um, is Morg's, uh, who's the, like the, the MC DJ guy. He basically runs, he's playing all the tracks from the decks. So, and he's like DJing properly. Oh, okay. so, he can, so it's like, he he's, he's scratching and, yeah, and okay. stopping and starting. Yep. So there's not really room to have a click. So, um, so it's kind of free in that sense. Um, even though there's the songs, the song and there's still the length that they are and everything, but within that, there's still some space. So, so do you um, need to be able to see his hands? Uh, probably it's not something I've actually ever thought about. <laughs> um, I, it's just a matter of uh, i you kind of like I learned the songs as best I could, yep. um and i I feel like it's one of those gigs each time I do it, it's like I kind of learned it a bit better <laughs> because the first time I did it and got through it like it was um very little like prep time and uh, and like I said, it was our big show, like I think that like at the time they just put out the record with like twenty one grams and and all that, so it was with with the hood, so like they were blowing up a lot of the time, yep. and I think um and they just come off some massive touring and like international touring and stuff. And then I kind of jumped in and, and the festival was like 20,000 people. Mm. And it was like, it was a, and like a late slot. So I think we were, we were just before, just after peaking Dark, or, so it was like that sort of level of mm. Australian. And if you're familiar with the Australian festivals, like that's like that's, the duck boys there. and everything that they're, they're yeah, yeah. kind of up there, you know? So yep. they're always headlining everything. <laughs> um, so that was a, you know, that was a really cool experience. Um, but definitely thrown in the deep end and definitely like, uh, again, playing that sort of thing without a click and that sort of volume, and everything was like quite hectic at the time. But um, but again, I think again, throwing back to my experience of playing long to records as a kid, it was kind of like I knew I knew what I had to do. It was just I'd just never done it in front of thousands of people before. So, um, but you know, I was you know game enough to jump in. So I think I think it turned out okay. I ended up getting the call back, so that was nice. And then ended up doing like a solo tour with one of the guys as well. And um, and then yeah, I've been kind of doing everything since. They've just done a run like through december which I, though I had a bunch of clashes with but they ended up it ended up being like the shows were a little bit more regional so they were smaller so they could kind of get away with doing it without um without drums so it yeah. kind of kind of worked out but um but yeah we did it like a um earlier in the year we, we did like it like i said a tour coming off the the new year stuff and that kind of went through january and february um but i love those boys man that they're, they're, they're such legends and and it's such, and the gig is i i dig a bunch of the music a lot um and uh and another really guy that's behind a good mate of mine Tom Crawford has kind of stepped in um, more recently and then Nick who's um, horror show who's another like legend Aussie hip hop artist as well has been doing some shows recently as well so he was on the tour too um, so it's always such a great hang and the, like the, the like the engineers and the production guys and everything are all, like, they're all mates so it's it's such a good time um, and uh, and yeah and we'll yeah, say what's coming up for those guys but um, uh, we're back again Funny. back again <laughs> Um, but yeah, so that's kind of been the hip hop thing, and then and then the, and then the, like TK obviously has a bunch of hip hop kind of influence as well. Um, it's not as kind of straight hip hop, but yep. but she definitely definitely can rap, and definitely that's part of the gig for sure. Um, and uh, but yeah, man, like I, but that influence to me, like watching, listen to Jay and, and watching Tony with Jay, and like that whole that whole thing is like definitely influences how I approach those shows, and um, you know, and with the with the Thunder's thing, like Carl, it's interesting actually working with different artists because you always, if there's an MD, it's the the approach is always different and you kind of, kind of learned you have to be able to adapt to whatever the you're getting asked to do. Um, and, or get, or not getting asked to do, you know? So, um, with, you know, if it's Carl or Yanya or someone like that, it's like, they hire you because they want you to do you and they want you to, um, there's almost like very little spoken. There's not like, there's no almost like little to no direction. Mm -hmm. Um, If they don't like something, they'll, they'll point it out. But, or if they want to hear more of something, they'll point it out, but it's not like, okay, we're going to, let's start here and I'll show you how it's done. It's kind of like, they they, know,
0: they know what you're getting. Basically. They they know what they're getting.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, whereas, and again, no approach is right or wrong, but there are some other, um, uh, MDs that that I've worked for that are a little bit more particular about what they want to hear. And, Mm. um, and again, that could be coming from anywhere. It could be coming from management. It could be coming from, you know, and everyone's taste is different as well. And, Mm. Everyone has a different you know focus, like working with Joel is interesting because he's quite focused on uh, like I think the overall sound like obviously he has a lot of experience in broadcasting and things like that, so as well as playing drums and as well as like everything he does. so that's that's a kind of a different approach to um, everything's like quite sound orientated versus kind of the playing aspect the, like the playing is there, but it's um, it's a slightly different approach, um, whereas with some of the other guys it's like I mean like it's everything is all there it's kind of just in different different degrees depending on who you're working with yep. and then like working with someone like billy as well he's like very much like he'll be like he'll be talking to me on the mic during the show and be like why are you like where's the rest of it kind of kind of thing like play more like <laughs> back, like give us more you know you up, yeah. yeah that kind of thing like really gen you up as you're going which is which is again That's a different awesome. approach yeah. again so because um, like obviously with yanya like if i'm on yanya's gigs like yanya's not there so um it's usually because i'm subbing for him um mm. or you know uh, you know so every situation is kind of different but um i think if you can for me, it's you know, and like I said, I'm not an expert by any means, but learning to kind of uh, d- definitely set like the ego aside, and definitely put the music first, um, and and not set your self worth aside, and not set your self esteem aside, but 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 just going there wanting to make the best the show the best you can, you know, essentially, and and taking on all the direction and trying to um, convey that the best you can, as well as bringing all your experience and all your knowledge and, and skill set through the through the thing as well otherwise you wouldn't be there you know so um it's kind of a blend of all of that and then um and then like i said you're dealing with in each situation you're dealing with different variations of rehearsal time and of how much time have you had to learn the music and how much time has that passed since you've done the last show with this crew or have you ever done a show with them before or are you rehearsing at all like there's always different things is it a production rehearsal or are you just rocking up to a rehearsal where there's you're not even on in-ears, but on the show, there's going to be a full thing. So it's like you've kind of got to be able to adapt to all of that. And as sometimes frustrating as it can be, like for me, obviously, as you can tell, like I would probably like to rehearse for like a month with every show <laughs> before, before we hit the stage, you know, and like really dial everything in and get everything yeah. exactly how we want it. So that by the time we hit the run, we're firing. Whereas I often find with me, it's like we'll rehearse once or twice maybe, and then you're on like a three, four show tour and then it's done. Or, or it's like a one-off show and then it's done. It's like, so often... In my experience recently, there's kind of very little time to really settle in to something. So you're kind of flying by the seat of your pants a little bit, but I think there's a skill in in kind of doing that and maybe setting aside some of the perfectionist sort of mentality and going, it's going to be what it's going to be. Like, you've got to trust what you can do and just know that you're going to bring your best to whatever the, the situation is. And, and you know, the other thing as a session musician is often you're juggling multiple things at the same time so you know if you get the call for a thing on a tuesday like the Thunder thing and you get the set the music on friday and then you're flying out on saturday like in between that time i've probably done three or four other things you know even if it's just life stuff you know there's other stuff going on and then and then it's like you got a limited amount of time to learn the music and then you got you got but you still got the show's still happening no one at the festival cares no one on the show cares it's like it's happening whether you like it or not and and you just got to get you got to get it done um and obviously you know to varying degrees that become that is successful (laughs) but uh i think if you you know if you if you have the the approach of just wanting to do your best and just and and bringing your best to whatever the circumstances may be um then i think i think you kind of find yourself getting the call back you know and Mm. and 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 if it's a subbing situation then next time they need a sub you know maybe they call you again you know and and never kind of and if it is that's the other thing about subbing like which I, like I said, I've kind of been fortunate to do a bunch of. Um, and for me, like the, I kind of really try to put, and something my dad instilled in me, like putting integrity first and like all those sorts of things, um, those kind of personal skills. So the idea of like trying to, which which that does happen, you know, trying to like snake gigs and people trying to like, once they eat on something, trying to like get too, not like too friendly, but like, you know what I mean? Like there are all those sort of, because it's, it's such a people industry and like none of us are, you know speaking for myself anyway i'm not contracted on any of these things it's Mm. all very much like are you available are you you know what's the rate let's do it sort of thing and if it falls through sorry you know Mm. it's not like you're not really covered in any way and and there's no guarantee of future Mm. employment or work so it's all very much like you live or die by the thing you've just done or the thing you're about to do so um so i think you know being able to be respectful enough and appreciative enough of when you know you do get called to maybe jump in for something and in that sort of context, and just know that it is what it is, and you know, be be a nice person, be a great, you know, bring what you can to the to the performance side of it, and then thanks, and then you move on. You know what I mean? You don't you don't try and you know follow up and like you try and do any of that stuff. You know, yeah. and it's just it just and the reality is if you, if you do it just doesn't it, you won't it won't happen again. You know, um, so. Yeah. And, and for me, like subbing has become almost like a part-time job, <laughs> almost like a part-time job, yeah. you know, like it's, if Boston can't do something or if, you know, whoever, it's like, I often get a call to jump in and, um, and they know that they know that I'm going to, you know, come as prepared as I can. And, uh, again, within the given circumstances and, and I'm going to be, you know, okay to hang out with and, um, and then, you know, get the job done and then get out of there sort of thing, you know? So mm. it's like a trust and reliability sort of thing, I guess. Um, but uh, but again, super you know stoked to to get those sort of calls in the first place, so it would it never would have crossed my mind to like take advantage of it, you know so um and like I said, these guys become mates and and that trumps any sort of any sort of gig off or anything like that, so all that sort of stuff kind of comes and goes i find, and artists artists often come and go and um but you know friendships and relationships and that sort of thing um tend to outlast all that mm. sort of stuff and 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 being such a people industry like. It, it goes downhill very quickly I think if if that sort of stuff is not in check or in place um yeah and I'm again I'm fortunate that I had some of those uh ideas and traits and skills were kind of drummed in pun upon like drilled into me <laughs> quite heavily early early on as a, as a kid you know yeah, yeah, yeah. um almost to the point of like undersell almost like sometimes underselling myself so like or you know if I do if I do meet someone who's like in theory like potentially someone I could be working with I'd like kind of like do the opposite and like i play things down and like that's very much which I'm kind of which I'm happy with that's fine Um but uh, but uh you know some people are great at the at the networking and the talking and all that sort of stuff it's not not really me but um,
0: some people yeah. that's all they can do right <laughs> <laughs> yeah with mean, respect to some <laughs> yeah
1: totally I mean it's definitely a part of it but yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah I was listening actually my dad was listening to something the other day Vinny talking he was saying like how when he moved to LA, he, um, you know, he didn't do the business card thing. He didn't do any of that. He was, which obviously a different era. You know, he was talking seventies, eighties time. But um, he was just kind of like, if if someone asked me to play in a in a jam situation or whatever, like he would just get up and he would play. And 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 obviously people saw pretty quickly that this guy is, you know who he was. <laughs> mm. And you kind of not comparing myself to any, but but in the sense of I very much I like the idea of kind of letting what you do kind of talk more so than. Than anything you have to say verbally, you know, um, and that's what's I think is cool. It's taken me a while to kind of get my head around it, but cool about social media, um, I think that it's it's almost like a di- it's like the digital form of like yeah, yeah. you know I can't can't jam with everyone, but it's like here here is like me doing something, and you might like it, cool. If not, that's cool, that's you know. Cool. Don't watch it. <laughs> um, yeah, you know, like wh- whatever the vibe is, but um, but it took me a while, man. Like I, I initially like when I first started playing with Ricky like I didn't have I was I was a kid in school that did not have like Facebook I didn't have MySpace I didn't have any of that and then like left school kind of got Facebook and I was like oh I realized I have kind of missed out on the whole world here (laughs) Mm. because again i was just so focused on what i was doing yep and then like instagram came around and and that took me a while i remember i got it and like i posted something and everyone's like oh holy shit like you're alive or like the first like the first post haha (laughs) um, (laughs) it's like surprised to see you on here yeah um then like wouldn't post any for ages and like had myself on private forever and i'm like i just there was something weird i was just maybe a little bit too insular or like not that I'm like, I'm not a social person, but I, there was something I just, I just hadn't made the connection yet between like how I could use it as a, or how it could be utilized as a business tool. And as a, and now it's like, not only that for me, but it is a way to connect with people that I, you know, wouldn't have been able to connect with previously and whether they are musicians or not, or, um,
0: well, you and you know, me, so, man. I
1: just, well, yeah, totally. A, you know, it's a classic example. You know, yep. so um, and there's been you know a bunch of people in that sort of way. And like I mentioned earlier about certain drummers and stuff, stuff like that, like or other musicians. Like you go to shows, and now you have the option to you know you can tag people and you can um, connect that way, or like even just expose, like give people their you know props, props, flowers, sort of thing, and you know make sure people know who's doing what. And um, and I, you know, that's just a kind of a subtle way for me to. Um, that I think that I like to do for mates and, and people that I like, again, like I said, I respect and, um, and and yeah, there are so of which there are so, so many and I definitely haven't mentioned everyone, but... Um, yeah, don't even try. Don't even, yeah, I was like, oh man, I'm going to forget so many people. <laughs> yeah. But, um, yeah, bro. I should
0: have told you that at the start. <laughs> <laughs> don't Except try and part remember two, everyone Jack, because... Yeah. yeah, yeah, part two or, or you'll call me up say, like, yeah. I forgot someone. Just yeah, yeah. No, no, it's still good. <laughs>
1: intercutting my influences. Yeah, in yeah, it.
0: yeah. But, man, look, for a 32-year-old, as intelligent as you are, with oh, the facility man. that you have, the groove that you have, your attitude, man, I, I think I'll be watching you for years and years oh, to come, man, and you'll you. always be working. I, I, oh, yeah, thanks, I so I'm that. very, very impressed, mate. So oh, I wish you all much, the best. Man. And oh, man, thank you. Really chuffed it. It that we got to sit yeah, here. Yeah,
1: man, and, same. On. Like I said before, I was like, I'd listen to a bunch of, I mean, obviously, you've interviewed a bunch of guys I know and are yeah. friends with, and and people I don't know, and I listened to a bunch of them through COVID, and um, which was like an interesting experience going back and listening, and like hearing stories that you've maybe heard in person from the person, but hearing like in a different that, in a different light and yeah. hearing slightly different details like or the actual story or the actual, yeah, totally, Sorry, totally the real version. Um, so it's yeah, it was really cool, and and yeah, I think it's you know what you're doing, bringing um, kind of highlighting local guys is amazing, man, and Thank you. uh. And, yeah, and there are a bunch of – and, again, there are a bunch of people on the podcast that you've interviewed that I haven't even met, like, guys like David Jones and people like that who were also being big influencers for me and, and like, I mentioned Gordo and, um, yeah, David Jones. Yeah, it was, it was another big – like, Dad was a massive fan of David Jones um, and, uh, you know, I I've, the, I've
0: said it before, but the, walking away from that interview with him mm. and that was – that was in the middle of Marrickville, in a flight, yeah. in a flight path <laughs> outside a coffee That's shop. True thing, you're in the and, interviews now yeah. uh, in airport vicinity. Yeah, <laughs> 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 um, yeah. The coffee and people walking past and asking us, and, asking us questions and all yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. But anyway, I walked away from that interview. Changed. Yeah, he, for sure. He had that much impact on me that day, yeah, even man. even till today. Yeah, I mean, obviously, it was just he's heavy taken... man. I was, you know.
1: Yeah, absolutely. He and a he's pretty special human for sure. Really and he's gone. Yeah, far uh, far above his facility and his ability as a, as a drummer and as a musician, he's obviously taken, you know, a really unique and interesting approach to spirituality and, and, and all that. And I've been fortunate to hang with him a couple of times and, Mm. uh, and yeah. And each time, you know, he's such a beautiful spirit and, uh, and, and every now and then they'll repost like someone, maybe it's like Roger McLaughlin or someone who was in pyramid, like repost, um, the gig of them at Montreux mm. and I don't know if you've seen that I show but yeah because yeah. um, again we had the um we had um <laughs> got some people oh hello checking us out hello, what we're, do you
0: do? we're recording a podcast <laughs> uh the gig life podcast the gig life? The, the gig life podcast Mike, the gig about? we talk about he's just, a mu- he's a musician of,
1: just a bunch of musos talking yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just a bunch of musicians talking
0: you, you can, if you can't hear, come round.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh no, we've got an audience. We've got an audience now. What a strange yeah. turn of events. Welcome to The Late Show. Hello. She's trying to
0: steal a car. Oh, amazing. <laughs> Very different. That's cool. How are you? Hey, what's She's up? Good, nice to meet you. Sorry? No, 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 no. We're no, trying to get a job. I'm trying to steal a drink, and then she pulls. I'm holding my leg in. Cool. Are you yeah. recording it? Yeah, 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 yeah. So you're part, you're part of it No, too. no, no, you're in. I'm going to leave it in. in. I'm going to leave yeah, it in. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah.
1: You look a lot like a really good drummer from Sydney called Miles Thomas. Wow. He does. <laughs> he does. Guess, uh, well, you walk past. Guess, guess what my name is. Miles. Miles. No, oh, fuck. It's I'll Thomas. Say, Thomas.
0: <laughs> Thomas Miles. <laughs> I was
1: like, is that Milesy walking past me? Does Miles play or do we play? We like session musicians, man, so a whole bunch of different stuff. Oh, cool.
0: Yeah. If you listen to the podcast, you'll know... Everything he's done. Yeah, all you my, know, my deepest, dark. darkest secrets. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. Wow. Yeah. It's not really. Not <laughs> so, yeah. That's really
0: fun. Awesome. Hey, enjoy. Okay, Thank well, you. I'll appreciate listen. it. Did you get one more listener? It's me. Thank Absolutely. you very much. Really <laughs> sure. appreciate it. You See you guys. Thanks so much,
1: guys. Okay, okay. Catch you Cheers. later. <laughs> Do you reckon they're fans of David Jones? Possibly. They don't look like Premier fans, no. but <laughs> they, might, <laughs> they might be. <laughs> um, but yeah, man, that uh, that record, um, the Premier record was a was one that we had at home and dad had like a bunch of uh like bootleg uh cassette tapes as well of, like david playing stuff and um virgil playing stuff mm. uh yeah man so in terms of australian drummers, like early on those those two are like the yeah. guys but um but yeah man da- yeah obviously david on the podcast and yeah he's such, yeah an incredible spirit incredible yeah. musician and uh and yeah kind of an unsung hero really like he um in comparison to some of the other guys from australia he's Kind of a little bit more, I mean musicians know for sure of course. Um, but uh, but maybe maybe by design you know he 's taking his own path, and you know sure full is. credit to him. I saw him do a beautiful show with uh Phil Toso was playing keys, and uh um I think every was playing bass who yeah. who was on the on the verge record, um or some of it anyway, and uh and yeah, this was years ago, man, but it was yeah, that was amazing, and uh yeah, but like i said i've been fortunate enough to see him a bunch of times, and yeah, every time he's like. He's always incredible. So.
0: Yeah, I um, went and saw him play one of his, it was a solo gig at the Seymour Centre. Yeah, Center. right. Oh, amazing. That was um, was on the same night as the final Midnight Oil show, oh. so that, when was, that was last year. So. Uh, no, sorry, that would have been, what, we're 24, aren't we? That would have been 22. Uh, as
1: in when Adam was playing? Yeah. Oh, beautiful. Yeah. I spew and I, I, I missed that gig um it would have been cool to see yeah as so as well. we were at
0: the second best gig in town yeah <laughs> that's right that's right that's but absolutely. yeah he was he was amazing he was amazing
1: yeah, yeah man he was. for sure yeah incredible yeah incredible soloist, and yeah and, and just yeah musician across the board yeah. for sure
0: yeah, good stuff all right jack my boat thanks Call again it? man absolutely and, yeah, man thank right, you so much for having me bro i appreciate Sweet. it
1: stoked we got to do it finally yeah me too all right brother, <laughs> brother. Thank, thank you man thank you, you.
0: brother.